Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is the best of Good Morning PT. pink <laughs> they can just be little little houses tiny houses actually we're talking about this because there's a a house a tiny house in florida that's on uh, overlooking the ocean where you would think a mcmansion would be but it's a little tiny mm-hmm. house mm-hmm. 472 square feet total and uh, going for a pretty penny i mean we're talking about millions so it's basically a million dollars of no, it's not. It's that's, like a corner, that's bad math. It's like a corner of your house. <laughs> yeah. But we, we started thinking, okay, so apparently this tiny houses thing is a bigger deal than we realize. Yeah, one of our listeners, Julie, just sent me a message along with um, a, a website. She rents a tiny house for vacation. She sent me the website. It's longcoveresort.com. It's a little two-bedroom tiny house. She says it's so much fun. It has two small bedrooms, a little kitchen, even has a front porch with chairs where you can uh, drink your coffee and watch the sunset. And the one I'm talking about uh, that sort of was our jumping off point, Nokomis, Florida, $4.25 million for a house that is 472 square feet. Okay, so we wanted to know. Does anybody own or live in a small house who listens to Good Morning BT? Or, you know, you don't have to, you don't, it doesn't have to be yours, but if you have knowledge of someone who, who uh, uh, does this day to day. Deborah is on line one. Deborah, how are you? Hello, how are y'all? Good. We're awesome. <laughs> hey, I got two little stories to help you put it in perspective. Oh, great. Perfect. So in the early 80s, my dad took a a small moving van and converted it into what I would consider the one of the original tiny homes. We had nine people in our family, seven children, my mom and dad. The upper level was all, everyone had like a pallet or a bed. So it was just wall-to-wall kids. Uh, downstairs, mom had a little kitchen and what I'd call a full-size bath, a full bathtub, um, a commode, and a sink. But I'm sure to our neighbors, we uh, probably looked like the clowns coming out of the clown car when we came out. There were so many kids, and we lived in this tiny home for five years. Oh, my gosh. So this wasn't just a, like for traveling or for vacation. You, this was your home home for, how, you said how many years, five? Five, yeah, when I was in high school and junior high. And mom and dad, they had a, like a semi-truck that they moved us around in. So we lived out in Nevada. We moved a couple of times that I remember. We lived on a farm for a while, uh, an alfalfa farm. But anyway, so that was long ago, and I don't think I can ever do that again. However, did you love it at the time? Was it just a fun adventure as a kid? No, I was I, I was a little backwards. I, I really felt like I, I was judged by my peers, although my little brother's, Said it felt like camping every day, so they enjoyed it. Okay. I think it was all in where you were in life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But here's the current story I want to share with you. My stepdaughter and her husband 
they built a tiny home up in the mountains, and they live in it every day. They ha- they have about probably 200 square feet, wow. and they have a little toddler, and it's the life they choose. And do they absolutely love it because they just got rid of all of the unnecessary stuff? As my mom said right before she passed away, all of this stuff is junk. They got rid of the junk, and they just live their uh, their lives together. Um, I would say that's part of it, but it's more about they don't pay rent. They they don't have a house payment. It's it's part of that problem that's hitting that generation is they can't seem to find the all the things needed to buy a house. And and they really think out of the box. My stepson, he built the whole thing himself. He's got unique features in it. But I just wanted y'all, I didn't think you were going to get a caller, and I wanted to tell oh, you no, they I, exist. I wasn't sure we would either, uh, uh, but there you go. And, and so last thing I would ask you is, uh, once you got to the point where uh, – you know, you could afford a bigger house. Did you want a really, really big house because of the one you lived in when you were younger? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. When, I mean, we lived in, I got married, we had a family. We lived in normal homes after I left my parents. But when we came out to North Carolina, we bought the biggest house I could afford <laughs> because I never wanted to feel that cramped. She again. bought an island. Oh, <laughs> do you think you'll well, go back? Well, you know, no, I got you. 200 square feet was a lot for us. Well, yeah, that's a lot for anybody. Well, I was looking at but, the stats on this. And by the way, De- uh, Deborah, thank you so much for calling. Uh, you're exactly what I was hoping we'd get. Yeah, exactly. The uh, nationwide average cost of a tiny home is $300 per square foot compared to a traditional home's 150 per square foot. Tiny homes are overall cheaper to build or purchase. The average cost of a tiny house is a reasonable 30000 to 60000 although they can uh, cost as much as little as 8000 or up to 150000 depending on the amenities that you choose. And whether they have indoor plumbing, I guess. Yeah, well, and well, uh, most of them do. Well, remember the time <laughs> we talked about the house that didn't have the kitchen? Yeah, you that know? was a tiny house pretty much, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> when you take away the kitchen... Uh, but anyway, I, I, I figured there might be somebody out there, and it's an interesting idea. I mean, I've always look when I get older. I, my wife haven't and I haven't discussed this yet, but I think both of us would be open to it. Oh, you can join my tiny house community. I'll come check on you if you don't show up by 10 a.m. Make sure you're not dead. <laughs> it's our own little retirement yeah. community. Yeah, I'm a regular listener. You guys are incredible. Yeah, I don't know what I'd do every morning without Bo and Ben driving from Shelby and Charlotte back with me. Betty, thank you. Well, I'm, I'm here to tell you, we don't know what we would do without Betty. We don't know what we would do without oh. Betty. Hi, Bo. Hi, Beth. Hi, Ken. Hey. Hey, Sue. Good morning. How are you, Bo and Beth? Hey, Good we're great. Hope you are. Oh, I'm great. Thanks, I've listened to you guys for a long time. I love your show, but this sort of this topic gets me going. I'm a long, long time listener. I don't call a lot, but I talk back to y'all in the car a lot of times. I hope it's all good. <laughs> yes, most of the time it is. <laughs> oh, most, most, of, of the most of the time. You know what? I'm okay with that. <laughs> I, I actually like that. I feel, I feel the same way. <laughs> Grab a handful of Bowen Bass. <laughs> this is Good Morning BT. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. Hey, right <laughs> Thank on. Thank you, Chase. You too, my friend. Good morning, Bo. This is the best of Good Morning BT. All right, heading into 2024, first full week here. I want everybody to think small for the new year. See? I'm the outlier. Everybody says, think big. Accomplish your dreams. I say, 
think small. You can do just the same thing. Now, roll with me here for a second. By the way, is it uh, Nokomis, Florida? Anybody? I think so. Nokomis, Florida? But don't it's, ask it's me. Nicom- it's Nicomis. It's Nicomis? <laughs> no, well, don't ask me no because idea. I literally, I, I was doing, I was emceeing an event in Florida. In Nokomis? It wasn't in Nokomis. But in, in Nicomis. I was younger, and I called Titusville, Titusville. Hello. And I called. Wait, you can say anything, Jim. I called Boca Raton. I didn't mean it when I said, like, you could say anything. Oh. Well, I said that at a public event in Florida. I called Boca Raton, Boca Rotten. (laughs) I was 16. Like, I was 16, but I have never. What was the reaction to the first one? Oh, it was. Was it a Hey Nails? Hey Now. It was not good. (laughs) The Hey Now guy. Sorry, not to take us down a rabbit hole of really embarrassing things that I've done. So you were thinking, uh, thinking actually, small. Actually, I was going to say thinking big in that situation, perhaps. <laughs> so back to uh, the lecture at hand. What was the topic? Think small in 2024. And by that, in, in Nokomis, Florida, where you can uh, buy a very, very small home for $4.25 million. This, of course, is this new trend of what's called a tiny home. Mm-hmm. A tiny home. On average, a tiny home costs around $300 per square foot, can run between $30,000 and $60,000. Uh, they can even run as high as $150,000 if the homeowner chooses to add high-end features. But the one we're talking about right here, I gave you the price tag on it. The home is 472 square feet. No way. But... It's oceanfront. Yes, that's that. And, that's the key here. And Nicomas. so it could also get washed away, <laughs> so it could get or blown away. It's only four hundred seventy-two square feet. But I'm looking at the numbers on this. I mean, the house is not exactly. I mean, it's not like a man. So it's definitely not a mansion. But I'm thinking it's. it's they. I guess it's the sort of mentality that um, if you could take a little tiny piece of a mansion and then put it on a piece of property in a prime spot. Yeah. Would you go for that if you really? Sort of uh, got rid of all the things you don't need. Well, if 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 money were not an option, if money or an, or an option, <laughs> money's always an option. Um, if money were not an issue, maybe I I can't imagine paying that amount of money for a tiny house. But here is the caveat: here I am obsessed with tiny houses. On Instagram, I follow several tiny house pages. One of them is called Tiny House Perfect, and they they every day post, oh, Bernie does too. They post every day different images of the outside, the inside of tiny houses, the locations, the kitchens, the high-end fixtures that you're talking about, Bo, that they can do. you can do these really beautiful kitchens and these kind of upstairs loft bedrooms and lovely tiny little bathrooms and little whole, like whole walls of books. So what you need to know is when we say tiny house, that's not a doll house. No. That's not a house for little people. No. It's a small house. It is It is that, under 500 square feet usually. Right. That just doesn't have a whole lot to move around in. But what you can move around in is pretty darn nice. And yeah. it's in a spot where you'd love to have you, – you'd normally see a mansion-type house. Yeah, well, not all of them, but some of them are. There are some on cliffs in places like Ireland, and there are some on mountains near waterfalls. There are some that are on the sides of mountains. There are some that look like tree houses, and they are all. I am. I. I. I so I have a life plan. It's not going to be a four million dollar tiny house. Like I'm sorry that I like I know that's but not, it's going to be tiny. Okay. Yeah, 
Yeah. So my two best friends. Is that why you have the dogs you have? So they <laughs> yes, because they, they can go with me. They can live in the tiny house. Will Craig be able to fit in this house? Well, so here. My, if he does. He can, but he has to stand the whole time. <laughs> my thought is that um, I might end up in a Golden Girls type situation, you know, because statistically women live longer whoa, whoa, than men. Whoa. You just killed off Craig? No, but not, not anytime <laughs> soon. <laughs> It went from like he doesn't have a place to sit where he just, he just knocked him off. And now I'm imagining the Golden Girls in a tiny house. Well, that's exactly the plan. So my two best friends and but I. But the Golden Girls are normal sized. We're all normal yes. sized. Our plan is to get a piece of property and all three of us are going to build our tiny houses so that we all have our separate living spaces because all three of us are introverts in a way. So we all have our separate homes. We're not having to share a kitchen. We're not sharing a bathroom or anything. Maybe there's a pool in the middle between all the tiny houses. And that way we'll have a plan. Like if I'm not out on the balcony drinking my coffee by 10 a.m., come in and find me and make sure I'm not dead. You know, make sure the cat's <laughs> you not You have really me. thought this through. Yes. Even to like what hour of the day. Yeah. Yeah. Are there any tiny Actually, houses? You need to be checked on like at four thirty in the morning because you get well, up yeah, really early. Well, yeah, because I get up really early. Ten o'clock, you're definitely gone. If you don't see me, yeah, I'm not. dead. Come check on me. Are there any tiny houses in Charlotte? Yeah, they have them on Lake Norman. I think there are some tiny. There's a tiny house community that they they are starting to build up. This is becoming a thing. A lot of people listen to this one. I know I'm, I'm way too excited about it. Some people have tiny houses on wheels, and they call trailers. They move them around. <laughs> <laughs> no. They're called they're, RVs. No, but they're different. They're not the they're not the RVs. They actually are houses with little. I mean, like little. It's like the, an actual house. It's the know. actual There's tiny a difference house between that, yeah. with like sh- like a structure. Like, like they're they're made of cedar and they have like little balconies on them. And but you can move it. And you can move it to little locations. Or rich mahogany. Or rich mahogany. That so way, if you get mad at one of your little girlfriends, you can like move to the other side of the pond and not have to look at her every day. Yeah, move it, move it somewhere else. <laughs> Question is, do we have any listeners to this show who live in tiny <gasps> houses? Oh my gosh, I want to hear from you. I want you to tell me how amazing it is. Yeah, Beth might move in with you. I might. Or, or at least build close to you. <laughs> so the property I was talking about in Florida, which is beachfront and is yeah. sandwiched in between huge houses that you would expect to be at a, at a zip code like this. The property for this tiny house was bought in 2017 for 361200 and then put on the market uh, in March of last year for $4.5 million. Now, that's ridiculous. That's getting a little selfish. That's getting a little little greedy, I think. Well, I looked at the at the house, and inside it, it doesn't— Yeah. Doesn't look like, like man- mansion quality. You know what I mean? Like if you're thinking they're going to charge that much, well, what's inside this small little place? Right. Are the fixtures made of gold and diamonds? Is what you would think. And no. And I, let me show you. I'll show you in the commercial break, Bo. I'll show you some real legit tiny houses, and then you'll look at this one and say why? Why would they charge four million dollars? I mean, we kind of live in a in a tiny house here in this room. I mean, think of how think how much how many hours we spend in this room all year. Right. It's like our tiny house. And this is basically the exact size of a tiny house. And it kind of smells like beef bullion in here today. <laughs> <laughs> That's not beef bullion. <laughs> I'm serious, though. That laugh. <laughs> I want to know if we have any listeners that live in tiny houses. Ketchup oh. and onion. Or, you know, I'd even, I'd even settle for somebody who knows someone who lives in a tiny house. Yes, I want to hear these stories because I absolutely love this idea about really, really downsizing. And Dallas, on your little fingers, on your little phone. Yeah. Your little yes, house. on your tiny little phone in your, your little tiny house. little house. I don't know why I'm asking for people to call in, because you're eventually going to be in a tiny house. I might as well just talk to you about the future. Yeah, were you guys expecting that for the whole life plan of the tiny house? Nope. No, but every once in a while, I'll, I'll suggest a story to you, and the answer
answer is, oh, 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 yeah. <laughs> so I knew, I knew it. I knew there was something there. Did I take us in a weird direction? No, you went about where I thought we would. Okay, yeah. good. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Good. Because everybody on the station sort of has a different lane, right? That's what yeah. makes it what it is. That's why we love it. It's the it's one of the only stations in the country now that is live and local from 5 a.m. until 8 p.m. Yeah, you know what? We have these moments right. that thing, you know, they just happen organically, and that's the great thing about this show. You just never know where it's gonna go. Hey, good morning. I'm uh, listening to you guys on the way to work and at my nine o'clock break, which is well over by now. This is Good Morning BT. Look, we're serious, fun. That's what I love about this show. We have very serious days and serious issues, but we don't ever ignore the opportunity to uh, sit back and laugh at ourselves and have some fun. And most days, if we're doing it right, in my opinion, both things happen over the course of the show. Yeah, the great thing about this, bus stop radio, I like to say. I'm on the bus, bus, you don't need to discuss much. At some point, you're going to find a bus you want to get on. <laughs> yes. Get yourself free. This is the best of Good Morning PT. That's weird. We're talking about uh, the idea of 16, 17, 18-year-olds driving school buses. Because to fill the shortages. There's a shortage, and uh, it's been discussed in recent times. There's a Charlotte Observer article about the history of when this actually was a thing yeah. uh, here in North Carolina and South Carolina. And the lines are flooded by people who mm. remember the days, or, and some people who actually did uh, drive these buses. They were the teenage school bus drivers. Yeah. Let, me, let me tell you, uh, I have two major issues with this. The first of one is, I think about myself. Look, I, um, I've i had the opportunity as an adult a few times uh, as my kids were growing up to drive school buses because the church that I, uh, I go to has a school bus. Uh, the Boy Scout troop that my son was in has a school bus, and so parents can learn how to drive these buses. And you didn't want to do and it, And I said, you? I don't want anything to do with that because I have a hard enough time parallel parking without the <laughs> autonomous driving, and the idea of trying to maneuver a bus scares me to death. Mm -hmm. So I would never do it. Statistically, from the old days when they did it, uh, the accident rate was very low. Uh, And honestly, it was uh, one of my fondest childhood memories in Rock Hill. My brother brought a bus home every night. I rode (laughs) to school with him every morning. The first stop, he picked up his girlfriend. She was on the route. That was convenient. She she sat right behind him, and she would kind of rub his shoulders as he drove, and then he picked up all the other kids. And I mean, it went very well, and, and he was a great big brother. Every time I got dropped off at Bellevue Elementary, he'd put money in my hand for candy, so that was great. Oh, yeah. my <laughs> gosh. That is like a, a – you need to write that story. It needs to be like a kid's book or a coming-of-age teenage <laughs> romance YA book. 
Have any, have any gummy bears? <laughs> now, so that's one thing. I, I, I would be afraid to drive the bus myself. So the idea of having someone that's the age of my kids driving the bus for other kids, being responsible for other kids, yeah. I just that makes my, that just kind of makes my my head explode here. Here's the other thing, though. And we had somebody call last segment uh, who was talking about how he controlled the the crowd on the bus. Mm-hmm. So again, imagine that one of your kids, if you're listening, is the bus driver. And then what if something happens on the bus behind them? That same kid has got to be responsible for turning around and, and doing crowd control. And, I, and maybe it's just that we live in a ge- different generation now, but I just I can't get past those two things. I have all the, ex- the respect in the world for people who are calling and said they drove buses. But I, I just imagining this becoming a thing again in 2023 is a hurdle I can't seem to mentally get over. Well, I want to know from these folks who did drive the bus when they were in their teens, I want to know why why it seems different. Why does it seem different with this generation of teenagers? I want to know what the actual, what that thing is that has changed. So we have many options on the uh, 704-570-1110 hotline here of people who did exactly that. John is one of them on line five. John, welcome to Good Morning BT. You drove a bus at age 16, did you? I did. And let me, let me set the scenario up for you. I'm 16 years old. And you're telling me I can drive a bus with a four speed on the floor and get paid to drive to school? (laughs) (laughs) Right. That seems like a great deal. And and pick up all your friends on the way, right? Well, so I was like Lance before there. I drove an elementary school bus. So we would leave school, high school, a little bit early. Right. Go over to the elementary school, drive the kids. And I do just like everyone else says, drive the bus home, next morning get up. But I was, I turned 16 in June, got my license. In July, I went and took the bus driver training. Holy moly. Got my bus driver. And in August, I was driving 80 kids around. Oh, now, so here's the question, John. That's pretty darn amazing. <laughs> wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Did you hear what John said after that? What was the sound you made? Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> but I will tell you, the, the things that are different now is I was in Lincoln County. The intersection of Highway 16 and 73 was a caution light and a stop sign. It's now a big intersection. Yeah, yeah. So you've got a whole lot more traffic. And I, I was, I won't say that I was the most mature person, but I'm not sure that the, the, the drivers nowadays are, are mature enough to do that. And why aren't so, they? This, this is my question. What's the difference? What has changed? I don't think people have the, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, responsibility. They're not given the the opportunities for responsibility. Um, I don't know. Now, see, I remember I, I, I rode the bus for uh, a while in uh, middle school, and I remember now the bus driver was, I remember his name was Wayne. And, oh. and, and he was, I would guess, probably 25 maybe, uh, if I had to guess. But he probably seemed 50 to you at the time. But Well, but one of the things that Wayne had to do every day was not only did he drive the bus, but, I mean, there were people on the back of the bus giving people wedgies. 
You know, there was there was uh, I wouldn't say that it was a really a terribly behaved bus crowd, but at times stuff would go on. Well, and, and buses so, are loud. And so to ask a 16 year old to be the the traffic cop on the bus in addition to the road. That's where I have trouble with this. Yeah. And maybe we also need to reach out. We have plenty of people, and I'm thankful for this because I want to talk to uh, all of you if I can, but we have people on the line that drove buses or knew people who drove buses. But what about today's parent that has kids in school? Would you be willing to put your kid on a bus that one of their contemporaries was driving Ooh, in, in, 20, yeah. in 2023? I want to hear from those parents. I want to, especially they, like my brother, his son is 16 years old. I cannot imagine my nephew driving a bus to school, putting out the little stop sign, letting people cross the road with all of the loud, you know, hubble Google that's going on in the <laughs> in the back seat. Beth, Beth just gave birth to a word. <laughs> Hey, good morning. I'm glad to talk to you. You guys are hilarious. I mean, funny. I love you. I don't get to listen to morning radio that much, but you guys are are funny. And I don't mean like PH funny. I mean like ha-ha funny. I don't find find anything funny. So this is is great. This is the best of Bo and Beth. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. Hey, right on. Thank you, Chase. You too, my friend. Good morning, Bo and Beth. You fan. This is the best of Good Morning PT. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo and Beth here. Asking the simple question, if you're a doctor, how do you avoid getting sick? And by that, I mean a doctor who sees people who have, you know, things that are contagious. Pediatrician, especially, we're talking about like a Petri dish there. I mean, if you're a, a pediatrician this time of year... You're basically seeing all the kids that are sick every day. Yeah. And right now, uh, the uptick in flu cases and, you know, flu cases that require hospitalization up nearly 50 percent week to week here since we made the the turn into 2024. So I've been looking and I knew we'd get some people calling at 704-570-1110. It's what I love about our listeners, smartest listeners in all the land of radio and a lot of doctors out there, too. So let's. Let's go to John, because John says he's a doctor who doesn't get sick. John, I want to know how you do it, man. Well, number one, you be very cautious, and hopefully you have a group of people that's working around you that notify you, depending upon, you know, what's coming in. The other thing is that, you know, you mask up and double. Actually, sometimes I was wearing a uh, regular surgical mask with an N95 over with a uh, shield over it, and actually during the original Delta COVID virus, which was much, much more severe, uh, I was actually kind of wearing a hazmat suit at times. Wow. And you never get sick. Well, I, I won't say I never get sick, but I can tell you that uh, I think most of it has to do, number one, with DNA, and number two, with, uh, you know, what your lifestyle is. And then on top of that, you just do the best you can to be precautious. I will say this, my whole, my daughter and my son, the whole family has been in medicine for many, many years. And that's something you, you know, look into. And I will say this, that, you know, I heard you mention that, you know, it's lucrative, not like it used to be, but you go into it because you like science and you want to help people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Of course. And I said that, too. It's a noble profession. So, uh, yeah, all kinds of reasons to uh, go into that that field. But I always think about, and, and, and you said there, it's almost like you're wearing a hazmat suit. But but when I go to the doctor and when I went to the doctor growing up, um, you know, 
I, I don't feel like the doctors that I saw, my pediatrician, was was sometimes even wearing a mask. And I'm not saying that they weren't being uh, being uh, smart about things. I'm just thinking, you know, at some point, it, you know, what's practical with day to day life? You can't walk around in a bubble in a bubble everywhere. I just I have I have. Uh, I have empathy, I have respect, I have admiration and kind of in all of people like you because, you know, most of us go into the, the, the flu season thinking, oh, I'm going to I hope I don't get sick. Yeah. You go to work every day with people who are sick. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Right. Well, especially, you know, my, my daughter does uh, hospice end of life internal medicine. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's the one thing she was telling me that, you know, and you guys probably know that the Charlotte hospitals have reinstated that nobody under the age of 13 can come back in with the parent unless it's all approved. And that's, you know, between that and then uh, I get yelled at a little bit by my colleagues, but I do think things have changed a lot. And that's partially because I think humans were, you know, move around the world a lot more than they used to. And so you've got different strains from different DNAs coming into the different areas that uh, never had that for, you know, however long humans have been around. Yeah. John, great call. I so appreciate you calling. You're exactly who I was hoping would call. And God bless your daughter. I mean, hospice workers are angels, having dealt with them firsthand, angels on the planet. Yeah, she she deals with some pretty tough stuff. But, uh, you know, like I said, science and uh, wanting to help people. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you... Enjoy your show all the time, and you guys be safe. Same to you. Thank you for calling. And look, now Barbara is on line one. Now, uh, we, we talk about doctors having to go basically on the front lines with the people that are sick this time of year. Uh, what about who the doctors have to go home to? Because right, Barbara's spouse. husband is a doctor. Hi, Barbara. Hi. Hi. So my husband is a family physician. He's been a family physician for 33 years, and he never closed his office during covid He had COVID patients come into his office during COVID, like maybe the numbers went down, probably four or five patients a day. He never caught COVID. He has never taken a sick day in 33 33 years until last Thursday. Uh, He woke up. He didn't feel well over Christmas. He went to his office the day after Christmas. He took the flu test, and he tested positive for the first time in 33 years. Wow. Wow. The first um, sick day in 33 years. That's impressive. And he takes the flu vaccine every year. But uh, it was for many, for a couple of years, many doctor's offices, they wouldn't see you if you had COVID. But he felt like he needed to be there for the patients who did have COVID. So, like I said, the numbers went down. He only saw four or five patients a day during the peak of COVID. But, uh, yeah, so he's never, I mean, he had a few sniffles and things, but never sick enough to, so last Thursday afternoon, last Friday, he took a day and a half sick day when he was, when he had the flu, because, not because he felt horrible, but because he didn't want to expose his patients. Right, right. Well, so last week, notwithstanding, uh, all those years where he did not get sick, why do you think it was? Like, what did he do? Was it like the last guy we talked to who said, sometimes I'm, I'm like in a hazmat suit, or, or is it just uh, practical stuff? No, he, he just washes his hands a lot. The only time he's worn a mask, and when during COVID, he didn't have a special mask. He just had a regular mask yeah. when he saw those COVID patients. 
I think he just washed his hands, and I think probably his resistance built up over all those years. Now, let me ask you a question uh, before we end here. Uh, So he did finally get sick last week and had to take a a few days. Uh, Is he Mm -hmm. worried that maybe this year is a—because we've been talking about the numbers spiking like they are, or does he think this is uh, just—it finally came around and it was his turn? I think it's probably just his turn. Yeah. And it probably came from family gatherings more than his practice, right? Yes, because we were around a lot of family right before Christmas, and they were all sick. Oh, there you go. Now, lots of little kids. He had family come from Virginia. So a friend said to me, well, it's probably those Virginia germs (laughs) because (laughs) he probably has resistance built up to to this local region. But, um, yeah, so I don't know. So... So he's, yeah, at, he's he's slowly getting better. He's at work today. Yes. All right. So when he gets home tonight, will you do me a favor and tell him that Bo and Beth said thank you? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I sure will. Have yeah. a great day. I love you too. To, I listen to your program every morning. Oh, Barbara, it. thank you. So I thought you much. were going to get him, get her to say. Have him write me a prescription. <laughs> well, see, I'm knocking on wood in here because so far we've avoided this. I know. We yeah. have not gotten the flu, and it seems everybody's had it. Everybody, I, I, We can't. We just have to stay in this room, bro. We can't we go like, out and about. We've, like, jinxed ourselves 12 times in this You segment. know what? Last week I took my niece to a trampoline park, and I didn't get the flu. So I feel like that's a Petri dish oh, for yeah. germs. Oh, yeah. Those things are nasty. Yeah. And I went and trampolined with the best of them, and I, I'm still fine. This is the best of Good Morning BT. Bo and Beth, <laughs> keep up the great work. Welcome to Good Morning BT. Good morning, guys. Hey, Mark. Wonderful show. I love you guys in the morning. Appreciate everything you do for our area. Thank you. This is the best of Good Morning BT. You are listening to Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on <laughs> News Talk 1110 WBT. That's Bella. That's Bella the... British WBT. Oh, is her her name's with a B as well? Uh-huh. Did AI realize what we were going for here? You are listening to Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on News Talk 1110 WBT. Is that uh, Katrina? <laughs> no, that was uh, what was her name? That was uh, Ashley. That's Ashley. And uh, if you want uh, the, the male version of this, this is a uh, his name is his name is Guy. You are listening to Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on News Talk 1110 WBT. Now, now, guy the, sounded fake. Yeah, good morning, BT. Good morning, BT. <laughs> he sounded, he did sound AI generated. They all sounded um, like, very bland. But the but listen, the little girl here, I mean, he said good morning, BT. Listen to this one. And this is better. You are listening to Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on News Talk 1110 WBT. I mean, we are big Aww. with the kids, especially overseas. Harry British. Potter. <laughs> That's what it sounded like. This little British child is now. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Can I have a new <laughs> Preposterous. Could I have some more? I'm trying to see. Lovely. Yeah. How about uh, how about uh, Aria? What does she think? You are about? listening to Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on News Talk 1110 WBT. Now, see, oh. that just sounds like a really boring woman. Mm-hmm. But she was she the sa- best one. Though. She sounded real, but just really boring. We're doing auditions for AI. Thank you. Next, right. <laughs> we've been well, playing. We'll have callbacks on Thursday with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman on News Talk 1110 WBT. That's- the real key is how will they pronounce? Zoki. Well, they say it correctly. Did you try to put it in? Right that's now. the thing was, that's so weird. Was that about David this? Appleford on that last one? 
we started playing with these. We were we were looking for AI generators, voice generators during the commercial break. And right now we have found what we're doing right now is text to voice AI generators. But I think we just found one where we can try to talk to it and generate our own voices. Because what would be interesting is that's, to that's see the next segment, Beth, because I, I just want to see if listeners can tell the difference between AI us and real us. Like, okay. that's crazy. But the question is, is this, uh, does this little girl Maisie know how to say Zoki? Okay. Does Maisie see. know how to say Zoki? Here we go. Jim Soak is the goat of sports talk radio. <laughs> Thank he you. Did. He did. You got it. Uh, what an adorable child. <laughs> <laughs> let's, see what, uh, let's see what Davis that can do this right. All right, here we go. And... Jim Shoke is the goat of sports uh, talk radio. Jim Shoke. <laughs> see, now I feel like I'm at any, like, doctor's office or anywhere. Like, school. They call you school. <laughs> see, that uh, spelling is how... Um, uh, is I guess it's Siri on the phone, right? Siri says "shoke," because that's like the Polish, Hungarian. Like it's Hungarian, but well, p- people don't know that name in Poland. That's how they pronounce the name Zoki is "shoke." That makes our baseball team way better. The Shokes Artichokes. <laughs> oh my God! It's it was more, right there in front of us the whole time. It's way better than Zoki's Artichokes. I know. We have to change the whole name, rebrand it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Shokes Artichokes. Shokes Artichokes. There nope. you go. Mm-hmm. Instead We're of Zoki's Artichokes. Ah. Yeah, we've been saying your name wrong the whole time. AI is not so bad. I am I I I am nervous to hear what would be created of my voice. I want to hear AI generated me and see how creepy that really is. Because like we were asking last segment what it was that was missing from the the DJ, the AI Ashley, the that we were playing last segment. Um Pete Callender, which everybody knows that. I should probably say it, shouldn't I, John Moore? Like, Pete Callender. Hmm? Um, Pete Callender. <laughs> that that, that sounds the, like drunken AI. That was the AI Beth. <laughs> that was AI Beth. Uh, Pete, Pete Callender. Pete Callender just emailed and said the thing that he felt that was missing from AI Ashley was emotion. There was no emotion heard in her voice. And that's exactly how I felt. It was the soul. It was the soul of the voice. The The tone was right. The accent was right. The sound was right. But there there wasn't the thing. The thing is the emotion. It's the soul. It's the human. But, but again, it's just beginning. This okay. is just like, like level one. So, uh, so, so watch this. Watch this. Let's see if this works here. All right. Ready? And we have some phone calls. Let's go to line one. Eileen, welcome to WBT. Oh. This is the creepiest thing. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Thank you. I'm feeling creeped out, too. <laughs> this, this is what, in medical terminology, is a flat effect. Yes. When they speak, there's, as you say, no soul, but there's no, it's just flat. Yes. It's like the scam phone calls. Mm-hmm. that They come on and they, they are telling you, you must call, la, la, la. And, and it's all monotone. It's it, it's up a grade from that. Yes, it's like it's, a better version of that, but it still has that. It gives you a weird right. feeling. Tell me about this flat effect, Eileen. <laughs> oh, oh. Bo's just being lazy. He doesn't want to speak to you. <laughs> no. This is Bo's dream world. He doesn't have to talk to people anymore. He's just oh. having an AI talk on his behalf. What I told the, the fellow that answered the phone for me was, it reminded me of the Stepford Wives. Yeah. Yes. Remember the movie, The Stepford yeah. Wives? Yes. They're just, they, they seem real. They say real things. They're walking around, but you feel 
that they're not there. It's that you feel that there's nothing there. Westworld. It's the God effect. Yeah. Yep. 100% the God effect. I like that, Eileen. I feel you, Eileen. (laughs) I was uh, just thinking about uh, what you said, Eileen. Or actually, it wasn't me thinking that. You told George it reminded you of the Stepford Wives. (laughs) Stepford. Oh. Oh, goodness gracious. I hope you go to another topic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we love you, Eileen. That's like our, that's like my favorite call of the day. Eileen <laughs> Eileen knows better uh, than to, to say something like, like that on our show. It's not our choice, Eileen. <laughs> <laughs> that's where you write in. Come on, Eileen. <laughs> Come on, Eileen. <laughs> See what it says. But the the crazy thing about it is, can would could AI laugh? Could it tell a joke? Could it distinguish humor? And can it can it understand emotion coming so if ai if ai dj were talking to eileen for example mm-hmm. could ai generate could like would ai have laughed at eileen saying let's go to another topic or would ai have just gone you're right beth and bo let's go to another topic you're right beth and bo let's go to another topic Hey, good morning, Bo and Beth. I appreciate you taking my call. Of course. Yeah, I look forward to listening to you guys every morning. I'm an HVAC service technician here in Charlotte, and it's just a blast to listen to you guys. Y'all have me cracking up every single morning. Oh. Well, you know what? It's working, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best of Good Morning PT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. How are you guys this morning? We are great. We hope you are. Hey, Bo and Beth. I'm an avid listener. This is the best of Bo and Beth. News Talk 1110 WBT, Bo and Beth. You know, it's really funny when Mark Garrison... And he did it again. He just walked in the door a minute ago. He goes, you know, it's also fun. <laughs> <laughs> he is the greatest. I feel like I kind of missed out not uh, not getting to be a dude with you guys growing up. Like that I, we would have all been involved in pranks together. I think we all lost out not being a dude or a gal with him. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, with his He would have been a bad influence. So. I mean, he just. He, he, so what are we talking about? If you're just joining us, we're talking about pranks. Have you ever played one? Have you ever been the recipient of one? Odds are yes and yes, somewhere right. down the line. But how about a really, really good one that uh, that you still remember to this day? Now, this stems from a story, a TikToker that went. This is pretty. This is pretty innocuous. I mean, it's it's cool. It's it's, it's a, great. It's a great idea, but it's not like somebody was really, really damaged by it or had to really clean up after it. Some lady on TikTok went into a Cracker Barrel, and you know, there's all the decor on the wall inside a Cracker Barrel, all the old pictures and the. Uh, the stuff. Signs and just uh, knickknacks. Yes, exactly. Knickknacks. Knickknacks that you can look at. And of course, then you can go next door and buy them all. That's exactly right. <laughs> but somebody went in and actually changed one of the pictures, the old timey looking pictures, and put one of them themselves, themselves holding a chicken to match these old pictures. And uh, it stayed there for a while. Right. 
because no one noticed. It just blended in with the decor. So that was the the jumping off point to uh, talking about pranks that we've been involved in. And then Garrison, you know, told one about uh, pranking a Hardee's <laughs> back in the day about how many burgers they had to make. And then during the break, he's going, you know, it's also fun to do this. Like I, I kind of want to be pranked by Mark Garrison now. Oh, I think uh, you're on his list officially. <laughs> I'm easy to prank. I should have known John Moore would have a contribution to this subject. I, you know, Bo and I, we worked at a little radio station a few years ago that kind of went by the wayside and we, uh, you know, <laughs> we, nothing happened there that got pranked. I but think, Well, no, I see, I thought I just thought of something from there. I had to bring it back. Well, uh-huh. well, I landed at a, a call center locally and uh, I was you know, working hard, talking to, to the uh, folks there, talking to customers. And I'm about five, uh, was it, uh, I'm about two days away from health insurance coverage kicking in. So I'm thinking, oh, cool. You know, I'm going to get that. Well, big guys come up to my desk, and they walk me to this office, and my manager's there. <laughs> like, hey, how's it going? Uh, well, um, I'm sorry, but we're going to have to let you go. <gasps> like, so I was floored, and, I, and, and these guys look like a couple of wrestlers. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Are, you know, what, what did I do to deserve this gigantic escort right out of the building? <laughs> so I went out, and I got to my truck, and I, I looked hanging from the mirror was the parking pass that allowed me to park there in the parking lot. So I drove home, and I thought, well, gosh, I forgot to give that to them. I guess I should have turned that in yesterday. So I drive back over there the next day, and I go back to the employee entrance around in the back and kind of walk in with everybody else, you know, and then walk over there to where my my manager is sitting. They're like, hey, man, you forgot to get this yesterday. (laughs) And he... He kind of blanched a little bit. He, he looked like he, he turned another shade of white. And I was just giving him the parking pass, you know. So I handed him the parking pass, and I left. It was a little friendly. But I guess that's a prank or something like a prank. I don't know. So wait a minute. I thought the prank was going to be that they – I thought they were kidding about the uh, – No, they were ser- – I was fired. Oh! I was out of there, literally. Oh! So no. you basically went back and said, hey, you forgot something, Yeah, pal. here you go. That's all. <laughs> what are you doing back in the building? <laughs> oh, my gosh. My, uh, my mom was really actually good at pranks, which is weird to say. My mom was hilariously funny. And my little brother, when he was like four, maybe it was his fourth or fifth birthday, he learned the word cow patty. <laughs> and it was like his new favorite word was cow patty. And she kept asking him what he wanted for his birthday. And he kept saying, a cow patty. <laughs> And so she was like, all right. We went out to my great-grandpa's farm. I was with her. And we got, we shoveled up a cow patty and put it into a (laughs) grocery bag. And then my mom wrapped it in with beautiful wrapping, this giant box. Of course, it was heavy. So we, my mom gave my little brother, he's like at his birthday party, turning five years old in front of everybody. He opens up a box and it's a bag of cow patty. <laughs> the look on his face was just like shock and heartbreak. But my mom said, you said that's what you wanted, Bill. I just remembered one. <laughs> Actually, remembered, I remembered two. So John brought up, we used to work at this station. It doesn't exist anymore. WDYT. And, and uh, this is during the years where we worked away from one Julian Price place. And we used to have these, I mean, Danny Fontana invested and built uh, this, this uh, College Street 
today show like studio that was right there in the bottom floor of uh, the Grant Thornton building right there. So we had uh, a, a studio set. You walk by and you can see right in the recording studio. And we also had speakers <laughs> that we put that were put in the bushes and you couldn't see the speakers. So uh, and the reason for that is so in the morning when people would walk by or the shows were on the air, you actually hear the show going by Well, we weren't on the air all day. So like there are parts of the day there where there was network programming. And so <laughs> We got bored. We'd go in there and we'd we'd say things on the microphone. Or we'd play things when people would walk by. So the the bushes would speak to people. I mean, we'd play stuff like 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 this. Check 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 one check check sibilance sibilance check 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 two sibilance. We play that when they walk by. We played some other things yeah, too. Yeah. I think that was during the Napoleon Dynamite Ooh, days. Oh, but but here's the other one. Here's the other one. I I forgot about this one's this one's pretty bad actually. So um, when I was in college at Davidson. Uh, my roommate had a one of the early early MacBook computers. Yes, I think it, back then it was called the PowerBook. Right, they were thick and they were white, weren't right. they? They were like white plastic. Well, there was a way that you could go in and record. You know how you had that, that little uh, when there was a, an error message, you would make that little beep. Like if you if you hit something wrong, there may a little be a little yes. beep. Yes. Okay. So uh, you could go in actually at this point in time. I don't know if you can still do it, but you could go in and you could actually make a custom sound. That would uh, you'd hear if there was an error message, <laughs> yeah. and so me, me and my buddy. This is back at the height of when Basic Instinct was in, was a big popular movie. Oh, and so you know the interrogation scene in Basic <laughs> well, Instinct. Well, yes, everyone so, does. So we recorded Sharon Stone talking to the interrogators, and she said some things I cannot say on the radio. But <laughs> we recorded that into the custom error message. Oh, wow! I don't make any rules, Nick. I go with the flow. So when he took it to the library, <laughs> oh no! He took his laptop. He took his laptop to the library, and you know everybody's quiet, but you're working on your computer. <laughs> and he, he hit the error message, and all of a sudden, I'd have to be pretty stupid to write a book about killing and then kill somebody the way I described it in my book. I'd be announcing myself as the killer. It rolls into Sharon Stone oh, wow. doing like the two-minute interrogation scene. <laughs> no. <laughs> and everybody around. And he, he, we, we heard the story. I, we weren't there to actually witness it, but he came home one night and was like, what in the hell? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes, uh, it, uh, that was sort of the sentiment, but much worse language. I feel oh. like I just got a new window opened up into Bo Thompson's brain. Yeah, we got him pretty good. <laughs> Basic instinct, huh? <laughs> hey, that, yeah, look, that was the that movie was the back time. in the day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He wasn't afraid of experimenting. I like men like that. The best of Bo and Beth. This is Good Morning PT. Hey, good morning, Bob. Beth. I appreciate you taking my call. Of course. Yeah, I look forward to listening to you guys every morning. I'm an HVAC service technician here in Charlotte, and it's just a blast to listen to you guys. Y'all have me cracking up every single morning. Oh. Well, you know what? It's working, Beth. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best of Good Morning PT. Um, how about a smoothie? What's in that? Smoothie's a juice drink. We want coffee. Buddy, relax. No, you relax. I'm a regular here. This line needs to move. I beg your pardon. Do you have scones? Tall, non-fat, double latte. Sir, you're at the back of the line. I recognize that. Cut it out or you're out of here. You can't kick me out. You know what? You're, you're really invading my ear space. Look, I'm a frequent coffee drinker. I'm part of the club. I have a card. Do you have a card? Do you have a card? No, I don't have Does a card. Does anyone here have a card? We don't have frequent drinker cards. It's a video club card. Ah! Zip it there, Sporty Spice! Are we doing this? Oh. Is this happening now? Yeah. Come on, Sir, I'd let's love do to. it. Come on, You're hurting me! Yeah, I mean, look. 
coffee. Some people sound like that until they have their first cup of coffee. Now, we are going to get through this list if it's the last thing we do before 10 a.m. Uh, wellandgood.com, seven things you should always do before you drink coffee in the morning. And some of these so far have been, I don't know, shockers. Number one, rehydrate. Number two, eat fiber and protein. Again, these are before you drink your before coffee. Before you have your first cup. Number three, work out. <laughs> no way I could do that at 3 a.m. Number four, brush your teeth. This is a, a bit controversial if you heard our last segment. Well, yeah, because it makes it taste weird. Number five, go to the bathroom before. Mm-hmm. You drink your coffee. And most people are, are, are they can't until after. Mm-hmm. Look at my family feud. Show me going to the bathroom. <laughs> Show me your, your morning constitution. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so that's, that's five of them. There are seven here according to wellandgood.com. And the fifth one here, Beth Troutman, uh, oh, I just said the fifth. Uh, the sixth one, rather, wait 90 minutes after waking up. They're, now that would that would force uh, a lot of people just to stay in bed, right? <laughs> they would just have to stare at the ceiling for ninety minutes. A, a nutritionist put this list together, and they they put this list to say that these are the healthiest things for your body and for your body throughout the day. It's not just about the morning, but it's about how your body deals with energy throughout the day. There's no way I could wait ninety minutes. I am a first thing in the There's morning no cup point. of coffee. Almost, we're almost to the point now. It's like. Experience your entire day, then have a cup of coffee before you go to bed. By well, the time you do, all I these mean, things. again, I don't drink coffee, but I drink caffeine. Same concept. You got to have the caffeine to get through the first ninety minutes of your of day. Of your day to get the sleep cobwebs off your brain. Here is the reason why, according to this nutritionist, this is the ideal scenario. Again, according to the nutritionist, de- delaying caffeine for the first ninety minutes of waking el- allows for the best hormone balance. It's all about hormone balance, like cortisol. Apparently, if you have your caffeine early, first thing, you end up with more of the stress hormone cortisol. That means uh, they can rise and fall in uneven ways throughout your day if you're getting these weird caffeine spikes. I don't like this one. I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> that, that, this that is the blank like, look where we just go, I'll, I'll. Well, it, now the next one then is going to really uh, uh, stonewall the room here. Yeah. I can't do this one either because it's not safe for me as a woman to be out at three o'clock in the morning walking the streets. That would mean I had a very different job. <laughs> what? what are we what are we paying you here? <laughs> Number seven, take a walk. If you are reaching for caffeine, first thing to help you feel more awake and alert, there is a better way to achieve both. Getting natural light exposure, which isn't possible for us because it's the middle of the night when we get up, within the first hour or so of waking is a major way to support optimal hormone balance and a healthy hormone response. I mean, what it comes down to is all of this is fine and good, but I drink caffeine as the first thing in my day. Like, I mean, I, I do brush my teeth first, but it's after so that, cute. after that... I gotta have the. If I don't have the caffeine, everything is off. Right. Everything. It's the thing. It is my ritual. And just so that this article, who if the nutritionist is listening, which I'm sure he is, um, the first I also have bought a natural light, one of those uh, light therapy lights that people have when they live in like rainy areas and dark climates that are dark six months out of the year. Do you live in a rainforest? I, I bought one. And in the morning when I sit with my cup of coffee, I turn that light on while I'm watching the news to, to trick my body into thinking the sun is up. 
to try to get exactly what this nutritionist was saying, the balanced hormone response. But apparently I'm undoing it by having my cup of coffee whilst sitting. Are you one of those people who uh, who wears the mask, like the, the, the thing over your eyes? At night? Yeah. Yes. Really? Well, yes, because, well, this time of year, yes, because we go to bed before the sun goes down. <laughs> right, right. So I have a little pink satin one that at night. It, <laughs> That's so see, cute. It's so cute, right? That I do put on so that I can, I can experience complete what's, what's, what's the, uh, darkness. What's the flight magazine where you buy all the fancy appliances for your home? Remember those things? Like, yeah, that's in the back oh, of the seat. Oh, a sharper image. Was it like yeah, a sharper yeah, something image like that, but Or you the like, in-flight I feel magazine. like you bought like all the things. <laughs> that are in those magazines where you just sit there bored on a flight going, I need this light and this pink fuzzy mask. And then well, no. The frappe latte machine. I am trying to make my body really adjust to this getting up in the middle of the night schedule and make my, my hormone levels normal and get my brain working and, you know, all of those things. And then she does this uh, this this four-hour radio show and everything is off. Then she goes outside and steps on a lizard. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, throws the so, whole cycle off. So if you were not with us at the very beginning of the show today, Beth told everybody that when she got up this morning, she went out in the front porch to let the dog out, right? Uh-huh, and and I, you stepped on a lizard. Barefoot. Barefoot. Yeah. I did not kill the lizard. The lizard ran away, but he dropped his tail. And that's why John Moore keeps playing that noise. Because, well, because you said this is the sound you made when that happened. Yeah. <laughs> that was the noise that came out of my mouth. Because out of context, it is quite odd. Well, and out of context, people just think I'm continuously making that noise right now. And or if they listen to the show for enough time, they say, ah, oh, sounds like normal day. That sounds like Beth. Nailed it. There's no. <laughs> Wow. You're just like a walking meme machine. I know. Yeah. I've created all these audio memes. Actually, I haven't. <laughs> John Moore just isolates the random things I say and do. Pete Callender. There's, so there's another one. That's, we got, that's, that's three. That's trifecta. Yeah. Any, any more? That's all I've got okay. so far. Okay. Brett Winterbull. Yo. How the heck are you? <laughs> Welcome. And you know what? When people say, how the heck are you, is the appropriate answer, I'm the heck great. What are you, what are you supposed to say back I'm to that? I, having I, a heck of a good time. I just oh. I said it on a spot one time, and Bernie thinks it's the funniest thing ever. Every time he hears it, he's, how the, I'm Bo Thompson. How the heck are you? Good Which, morning. I really don't say that to people that often. I just did that time. Uh, so, just bust, bust that out when know. you're in church or something. Hey, how the heck are you? I mean, it's like, uh, you know, Bo Thompson, damn glad to meet you. I don't say that either, except every once in a while. Marty uh, Fufkin, Polymer <laughs> Records. Go ahead and kick me. Milt, Milt, Milt Butterworth, Defender of the Common Man. Milt Butterworth. And if you know the movie that came from, I don't believe you. Milt Butterworth, Defender of the Common Man. This is Good Morning PT. This is the best of Good Morning PT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. Well, you know, uh, they don't allow outside drinks in the movie theater, so... I had to put it in my shirt and sneak it in. Yeah, see, they like to sell their own coffee. Yeah. Now, is that going to be a problem? Yeah, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for them. (laughs) It's a clear violation of your rights as a consumer. It's an infringement on your constitutional rights. It's outrageous, egregious, preposterous. (laughs) It's definitely preposterous. So, then what happened? Well, uh, I was trying to get to my seat, and I had to step over someone, and uh, I kind of got pushed, and it spilt on me. Was there a top on it? Yeah. Uh, did you put the top on, or did they put the top on no. for you? They put the top on. And they made the top. You didn't make the top, did you? <laughs> Susan, I want you to go down to Java World. Get me a cafe latte with a top. We're going to run some tests on that top. <laughs> oh. Have you been to the doctor? 
Uh, no, no, I haven't. Susie, call Dr. Bison. Set up an appointment for Mr. Kramer here. Tell him it's for me. So, uh, what do you think, Mr. Charles? Jackie. Jackie, I mean, we got a chance? Do we have a chance? You get me one coffee drinker on that jury, you're going to walk out of there a rich man. <laughs> So, so I'm listening to the classic exchange there with Kramer and uh, one particular uh, attorney, and I'm watching him do the mannerisms to the audio sitting across from me. We have in studio the one and only attorney Jackie Childs, Phil Morris. Welcome. Thank you. That was so cool to hear and to mimic what I actually did on the show. Well, that was super cool for us to watch you mimic what you did on the show. That I remember all these years later is, uh, is amazing. But yes, it's that is such an amazing. honor to be here. Thank you for having me. Bill, how often do you break into being that character, obviously based on Johnny Cochran, where you can't become Phil again and you have to get out of that? You know, he, he's always with me. Jackie's all, oh, he's here right now. He's I mean, it's just, it doesn't take much. I just scratch the surface, and out he comes. I have to really hold him down sometimes. You know, there's this thing called Cameo out there where you can order, like, greetings from celebrities and stuff. I get so many requests for Jackie. So I do Jackie, like, at least once every two weeks for people. And I get in the whole getup. I get in the suit and the mustache and the glasses, and I lay it out for him. So I'm always working on Jackie, and I've been very fortunate to have this new campaign with Snyders of Hanover, if I can say, pretzel sure. pieces. Jackie's their spokesperson, and he's debating whether or not these pretzel pieces are actually pretzels. Um, <laughs> I highly doubt it. Um, so Jackie's the gift that keeps on giving. And uh, you had asked me if I like the residual checks that come from yes, Seinfeld. Yes. I do because of what it means, but they're $1.70. You know what I mean? They're $2.95, which is great. But Jackie is the real, the real prize. Having yes. gotten Jackie Childs out of that experience is just phenomenal for me. Well, I think that's a testament to you as an actor because that was a, those were words that were written on a page, but it was up to you to perform them and create a Jackie that is as memorable as you are or as Jackie is. Well, thank you. Yes, we are bifurcated here. Yes. Right. Um, <laughs> and, and we were talking, Tommy and I were talking about improvisation. I never improvised anything on that show. It was all written. Because they were such genius writers. It's like, do you improvise Neil Simon? No. You kind of let it lay and play the comedy. So that's what we did, much to our credit, because they were so good. And they just served it up for us. And, and I think they cast it really well. And I went through the casting process for Jackie. They didn't offer me the role. They, I, I went through it with a five or six other actors that were, were auditioning for Jackie. I was on their radar, the Seinfeld radar, because I had done an episode... It was the Mayor Giuliani versus um, Mayor Dinkins episode. And whoever won the election, that press secretary was going to be on. So I was Dinkins' press secretary in that episode, being directed by Larry David. But Dinkins didn't win. So I never made the show. Wow. But I was on the Seinfeld radar. So when I came in to audition, they, they knew who I was. But they didn't expect what I brought. Because I already knew J Johnny Cochran. We'd been going to the same barbershop for decades. Oh, wow. So mm -hmm. I knew him intimately. Plus, I threw in a little bit of street corner. Preacher, a little hustler, a little ambulance chaser. And voila. Made it your own. Jacquet. <laughs> so I have to ask what that was like. Did the casting director and the – who was it Was it Larry David who was in the casting session with you? Were they Later, yes. Were their mouths, their jaws, were they wide open? Yes. They, it was so – thank you for – it was so <laughs> good for an actor. A little scary because I'm there in the valley in Los Angeles, very hot, and I'm doing my thing. And, and then Jerry goes, stop. Well, for an actor to be told stop in the middle of an audition is a little daunting. Yeah. 
He went over to the thermostat, turned the air conditioning up, and said, man, you're so funny, you're making me sweat. <laughs> they called me in my car. When I got in the car, like 10 minutes later, you got the job. I showed up on the set, and you have five days to work on this stuff, right? I'd never played Jackie before. Remember, this is my first time. So I go to set, and I'm working on stuff. Jerry was not directing. He was Andy Ackerman. But Jerry's sitting out off, off set, and I start doing some other stuff. And he's like, hold up. What are you doing? I said, man, I got five days. I want to work on other stuff. He goes, no, no. You do what you did in my office. Work five days to get that. Can you do that? I'm like, I already got that. Can I go home? And, uh, <laughs> and so, you know, Jackie was born. It was just a, a beautiful marriage. I loved it. Wow. You know, I remember uh, I'm, I'm we're hosting this show now, but I started out as a producer on it way back. I, I believe it was, nine, it was 98 the year the finale was for Seinfeld. I believe so. 1998. I remember uh, we were that was one of the big stories on the show the day that that was the, the finale was that night. I, I don't know how many people are like me out there. I watched my first Seinfeld episode the finale. Now I've, oh, wow. I've since gone back and and watched almost every one of them in syndication. But I hadn't. I just wasn't a Seinfeld That's guy at that point. But everybody in the room was like, "Oh my god!" And we were talking before we started on the air about watch parties for the Seinfeld finale, and you were a big part of the Seinfeld finale. And you I'm, were the finale, really, yeah. actually. Oh, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> that. What memories do you have of that show? My wife would have to drive me to the studio, and I'd sit in the back. I'd, I'd lay on the back seat floor, covered in a blanket, because they couldn't know who was in the finale, and we could never bring the script home. We had to drop it off like kids at the library, and check it out every day because we couldn't we couldn't physically bring it home. And every single person in that gallery that you saw, either had their own show later, or could have had their own show. Wow. This was an all-star grouping of unbelievable proportions i was actually doing concurrently the new love boat the next wave <laughs> at the same time which was like the number 101 show how in the that, country how did that show end <laughs> great payday but not the best work um and then i would go do the number one show in the country and it was just a real interesting dichotomy so i'm doing the new love boat and i'm out on the ocean filming exteriors i get back and they say you're in the finale Whoa. Wow. That's and it big. starts Monday. And I'd gotten back on a Saturday. So I go in on a Monday after having been gone for weeks. And I, I'm just like, what am I going to do here? What am I doing? It was so beautiful. They waited for me. I'd go to my day job, which was the new love boat. <laughs> and they'd wait all day. And I'd come in. And I'd say one line. And they would all break up. And I would turn around and I'd go, yeah, I missed y'all too. <laughs> so, it, was a, it was a beautiful experience Well, look, leave us here, if you would Just with little Jackie Childs as we're going out the door It was a beautiful time in Charlotte I'm really happy to be here, I've never been here before Thank you for rolling out the red carpet for Jackie and Phil Come get it <laughs> Come get it Come get it. Every weekend This is the best of Good Morning PT With Bo Thompson And Beth Troutman whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Here we go. This is the best of Good Morning PT. Soul House, special to me. My grandfather built it. It's where he and my grandmother raised me. We worked hard for what we had, and that wasn't much. I'm Bill Graham. My grandparents taught me right from wrong. You tell the truth, show up for work, help people, get the job done. That's the North Carolina I grew up in. The Democrat politicians have been running Raleigh for too long. 
And liberals like Roy Cooper and Josh Stein, they're ruining our state. But Republicans, we keep losing to them. Let's change that. As governor, I'll cut taxes. I'll put people back to work. I'll go after violent criminals, including the death penalty for human traffickers and drug dealers. I'll require public schools to give parents a say in their kids' education. And unlike Raleigh politicians, I'll show up for work every day. I built my career on winning tough fights, and I'll beat the radical left in November. I'm Bill Graham. I'm running for governor. Join me. Let's take back North Carolina. When that commercial made its debut a few months ago, I, uh, I texted the guy who's uh, right in front of me and in front of Beth in studio and said, uh, so when are you going to do your first interview? And he said, well, we're getting some things together, and uh, when I'm ready, I'll call you. And true to his word, in studio with his first long-form, live, extensive interview is gubernatorial candidate Bill Graham. So uh, welcome to the room. I, 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 it's not the first time you've been in here, but it's definitely the first time since you've been in this mode. It is the first time since I've been in this mode, and um, I'm um, making the rounds. Uh, obviously, this is the first live interview I've done, and um, uh, I promise you that I'd do this, and uh, here I am, and good to be back with uh, old friends. Uh, well, we're so thrilled to have you in here because we haven't gotten to off the air, Bo and I have both gotten to have conversations with you about mm -hmm. your decision to run, but we want everyone to hear, the people who are familiar with you, who have been listening to our show, they were familiar with your Thursday appearances on our show, mm -hmm. but let everyone know why you decided to throw your hat in the ring. Well, before I get into the... Um the, the answer to the question, I, I just want to let everybody know that I've got my daughter, Caroline. Uh, she's uh, here making sure that uh, I stay on my, my toes. Um, <laughs> I wondered but, if you'd have an entourage, you know, now, because when you came in in the past, you know, Bill just, you know, kind of shows up part of the part of the show like uh, like normal. And I wondered whether you'd have an entourage. And uh, we met Caroline and I, I think you've got all that you need. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's got her coffee. She's good to go. Um, to answer your question, Beth, um, I spent a long time going through the uh, um thinking process and evaluation process, and there were a lot of boxes to check. Uh, as you all know, I'd been through this process before about 16 years ago. My daughter was much younger then. And um, I, I decided to, to get in it uh, because I, I want to bring a conservative future to North Carolina. And as Republicans, we have a uncanny talent of losing uh, the governor's race and, and also the attorney general's race. And I want to reverse that. I'm sick and tired of losing. And I was convinced that uh, the leading candidate for the Republican nomination is is going to lose in November, and he will if he's nominated. And so I want to try to do something about that. The people deserve a choice. The people deserve contrast. And the people deserve to know what I'm about and what my opponent is about. So that's why I'm in this race. Well, let's talk about Mark Robinson for a second, because he's leading in the polls. Obviously, Dale Falwell, mm -hmm. uh, who also has made regular appearances on this show. We know Dale Falwell, the state treasurer, very well. Uh, Dale Falwell's in it. But Mark Robinson uh, has become a very well-known name in a short amount of time. And a lot of it has to do with some of the things he said. And, and, and a lot of times they're shocking things. But I think uh, when people found out you were entering the race, the first question probably was and still is, uh, OK, Mark Robinson has... Uh, according to the polls, has a has a pretty sizable lead, it would appear at this point. Bill Graham's getting in the race late. Um, why do you think you can beat beat Mark Robinson? Well, because he's not a conservative. He's just flat out not a conservative. Some of the things he's said would cause people to pause and question um, what, what exactly is he? 
He's not who he says he is. So an example uh, in the latest ad that I've got, just to inform the public, again, doing what I believe to do is the right thing to contrast what I'm about, lower taxes, strong participation for parental, parents in it, their children's education, tough on crime. I'm a former prosecutor. You all know that. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I want to cut taxes. I want to cut taxes, remove the tax on overtime. I want to get rid of the tax, remaining tax on food. I want to get uh, first-time homebuyers a leg up and give them assistance to get that first home to realize the American dream. That's what this campaign is about. But Robinson, it, um, it, he's not conservative as, uh, in any stretch of the imagination. Anyone's definition of conservative wouldn't fit this guy. So let me give you an example. He, he has issued more than one time and had a chance to clean up his anti-Semitic remarks, and that's the latest uh, campaign to educate the voters. He's an anti-Semite. He aligns himself with Hamas. He might as well be uh, protesting with the River to the Sea crowd. That's not conservative. That's not Christian uh, under anyone's definition. The other thing that he does, he aligns himself with those people that would protect Bill Cosby and Harvey Weinstein and the sexual predators. He thinks that was a conspiracy against men. He he thinks women um, are here to be subservient to men. And I was in uh, Greenville talking to a bunch of guys again the other day in Pitt County. And um, I said, I, I, you know, I was telling about the women being subservient to men comment. And I said, I don't know about y'all fellas, but that doesn't work at my house. And um, I had several of them. Some of them, Robinson supporters say, well, that doesn't work at my house either. Doesn't work at my house. I, I, I would imagine it doesn't work at Bo's house. <laughs> I, I bet it doesn't work at Bo's house either. <laughs> no, trust me. Now, let me, uh, one follow-up here on Mark, on Mark Robinson. So uh, we've talked to Falwell, and, you know, Mark Walker got out of the race and decided mm-hmm. to run for Congress. You know, Falwell has been saying ever since he got in the race that uh, he wants to debate. And Mark, Mark Robinson hasn't debated. It, it appears that Mark Robinson's taking the same uh, page in the book that somebody like Ted Budd did, where, or, or even Donald Trump in this national campaign right now where he refuses to debate. Mm-hmm. And so I go back to the Robinson thing. He's obviously got a lot of name recognition and he's he's tied with Trump. So when I thought about you running, I'm thinking, OK, just just from the outside looking in, uh, how are you going to close that gap of the, the the media attention that he gets and and the the, the, the notoriety uh, you got in late? Like, what's the strategy to try to, to try to, to close the gap with him? Well, it, it's sort of a, um, a, a combination of strategy. First, if you'll see the commercials mm-hmm. and the reach out to the public, it was introduce myself or reintroduce myself um, after some time. There's a lot of new folks that have come to North Carolina. And um, they've moved here, and they really don't understand the dynamics of the, the history of North Carolina politics. But also understand and have realized, um, you know, you put a positive ad up, and then you educate your, your, the voter. This is who I am, and this is who he is, and then this is who I am again is is generally mm-hmm. the sandwich, right? So um, when I'm talking to, to donors, particularly large donors, and talking to people around the, the, the state, there is a huge amount of undecided vote, enormous. And there's also a lack of awareness that we're a Super Tuesday state. This vote is going to happen the first Tuesday in March. And everyone that's a conservative can vote in this primary. If you're a conservative, you can vote. You go to the Board of Elections and say, you know, I want that ballot for a conservative uh, future. You can pull that ballot and vote for Bill Graham. Now, uh, I would also uh, like your listeners to understand 
that early voting starts in about 30 days, the day after Valentine's Day. So uh, we need to be aware that this is coming quickly. But if you look at the polls, Bo, there's a lot of undecideds out there. Well, do you think he's going to debate you? No. Yeah. He's scared. Well, uh, we're going to take our first break here. We've got uh, three more segments with Bill Graham, who's running for governor. Uh, the same Bill Graham you've heard on our show for years and uh, talking to him in a different mode today. Lots of questions about not only who he's running against, but uh, what his platform is, too. This is the best of Good Morning PT. I'm going to send you up against the best YouTube characters. The best of Bo and Beth. On to Matt. Bo Thompson, Beth Troutman in studio talking to Bill Graham, who's running for governor. Of course, you know he's an attorney. We've talked to him about legal things for many years, but now he's decided to throw his hat in the ring. North Carolina governor facing off in the GOP primary against Mark Robinson and Dale Falwell. And we're we're getting to know you on a different level today. Yeah, this is fun to get to know you on on this level, because I think the the last time you had your um, you were trying your hand at the governor's race. I believe it was 2008, if I'm not mistaken. And you, last segment, we were just talking a little bit about how important it is when you're running in a primary to differentiate to differentiate yourself from the candidates who are running. And we, we touched on that a little bit. But let's elaborate some more on you, you mentioned that you wanted to get into the race because you really wanted to be a true conservative who was running for governor and to win the race to win the governor's mansion back from the uh, from the Democrats. So let's talk about a, a little more detail. Let's get in a little more detail about how you are different from right now the front runner in this Republican primary, which is Mark Robinson. Yeah. So if you go to Mark's website, uh, he says that um, we don't need any more ladder climbing politicians. And I agree with his website. We don't need another ladder climbing politician which is exactly what he is. He's a ladder climber. And it not, not only that, Beth, he's a ladder climber, ladder climber that has not shown up for work. He has missed. Now, when he went into office as lieutenant governor, he told the people that he was going to fix wokeism, right? I don't know if anybody remembers that. I don't. But let's, let's assume that he was in, in well-intended. Uh, he didn't show up for work. He missed 100 votes, 100 votes. Now, I don't know about you, but conservative in my mind, in your last segment, you were talking about the hardworking people that were here in Charlotte needing a handout, and they work hard. They show up for work every day. This guy doesn't. He doesn't show up for work hardly at all. Now, he wants a, he wants a raise, and he wants a better job for not having shown up to work. That's not conservative. That's just not showing up for work. And I'll guarantee you, the folks at this station, if you had a job for for him and he didn't show up, he wouldn't be here very long. Um, you know, so he doesn't deserve a promotion. He doesn't deserve a raise and he doesn't deserve to be governor. And he certainly doesn't deserve to be our nominee. He hasn't earned it. So he had a chance to go up there and make a difference. And all he's done is is campaign for a job that he that he won't show up for. Now, one of the things we're watching on a national level uh, in the presidential race is obviously how things are going to shake out. you got New Hampshire coming up, and you just saw Iowa where President Trump mm-hmm. uh, won with 51 percent of the vote. Uh, and you have Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis hanging on, trying to still make a go of it. And we were talking earlier about uh, when, when, when the ultimate nominee uh, manifests, will the others get in line behind him? 
would you support Mark Robinson if Mark Robinson ends up getting the nomination? Uh, that'll be a very difficult decision, and I'll have to make that at that time. But um, I'm hopeful that I don't have to make that decision, and uh, I hope that um, I'll tell you one thing, and I'll tell y'all, all your listeners, the same thing I told the folks down in Greenville, uh, Pitt County. If he's a nominee, you lose. Why would you want to pick a loser? Why would you do that? I mean, why would you contribute to a guy that you know is not going to win? I mean, if you're if you're Josh Stein, right, and you know you're going to get the Democratic nomination, which he's going to, they're licking their chops to come after this guy. National money's going to come in, and he's going to be the poster boy for the Republican Party, not only in this state, but possibly nationally, about some of the things he said about the Holocaust. He said that the Holocaust was hogwash. Now, let that sink into your head just for a second. That six million Jews, he put in quotes, six million Jews died, you know, making fun of the number, making fun of of, of history. Um, He said that the Holocaust was hogwash. Now, now, you know who also said that the Holocaust was hogwash is the former president of Iran. Hamas says that. Now, how can you elect anybody to be the leader of anything when you're aligning yourself with Hamas? And we have, as we sit here today, we have Americans being held hostage by those thugs in the Gaza Strip. And he's aligning himself with those people. Now, how is he, imagine the ads that are going to be coming. Imagine. So as you think about this race moving forward, a lot of people don't realize that our election here in North Carolina, Mm -hmm. our primary election is part of Super Tuesday, that our early voting is less than a month away. It starts uh, the day after Valentine's Day. So you have a a, a limited amount of time now between when between today and when people can start voting in this election. What is it you will do to try to continue getting that message to as many people as possible to try to un or, 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 or close the gap, as Bo was saying, close the gap between your campaign and Mark Robinson's it's, campaign? It's coming on great shows like this and talking to the people directly and informing them of where he stands and where I stand and what their choice is and what the future, of, uh, you know, the conservative future looks like for North Carolina. And, and we can grab it. We, it's within our grasp. We just got to we got to pin our ears back and make sure that everyone's informed. Campaigns are about education. Campaigns are about distributing information, factual information. And in the latest ad that that I put up, I didn't say a word in the ad. I quoted him verbatim. I said, this is who this guy is. Now, if you want him to be your nominee, I just want you to understand that you're going to lose. I just want everyone to be clear on that. And if you if you don't mind losing, then okay. But I'm sick and tired of it. The best of Bo and Beth. This is Good Morning BT. Good morning, Bo and Beth. Thanks for the laughter this morning. This has been great to hear. Love the show and thought I'd chime in. Good. Hey, What's going great. on? This is the best of Good Morning BT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.
that reason, I'm out. I hate this song. There's a uh, version of this by a band called Resolve. It's kind uh-huh. of the, it's kind I think of the, it was one of your wake-up songs one day, wasn't it? Was it? I think it was. It's so good. You it's love so this song. good. But their 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 remake is good. This version, I'm like, meh. We're talking about hills that uh, you are willing to die on. Uh, and because we've got a list that was generated by BuzzFeed, and you know this is what they do, and and every once in a while they they hit on one of these where it uh it it, it hits on a lot of us, like it, it it triggers something. We were talking, and you all know about the Bruce Hornsby is not yacht rock, uh, so that's my all time one. But this is another one. Uh, this is a hill I'm willing to die on. Um, I am categorically against people who refuse to go the right way in the parking lot. The wrong if if you're going down the wrong arrow in the parking lot aisle, that's yes. that's a that's a that's a fireable offense for me. Yes, I almost got hit by a car doing that because I was backing out of a space and I was only looking the one way because that was the direction that people were going to go. Listen to this one and see if this one gets on your nerves because I didn't I I I used this term and I didn't know I was doing something wrong. Call this the journalism major in me, but people, especially supposed writers who use the term in order in front of an infinitive, three empty condescending syllables just stop already. So what that means is anytime anybody writes or says in order to make this more important, because the two is the infinitive in that sentence. Can I just tell you something? <laughs> I am almost 50 years old. I still can't tell you what an infinitive is. Well, two. Two is the infinitive there. Um, uh, I, I, uh, it's any verb that is preceded by the word to is an infinitive. So I guess the infinitive isn't to. It's the verb that comes after it. So in order to make this cake, I use flour. I should just say... According to this person who's dying on this hill, I should just say, to make this cake, I use flour. So the in order is basically useless word wording. But I've said that all the I've said that a lot. In order to make this more understandable, I will say such and such. <gasps> I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> Did y'all know this? Yeah, we've been meaning to bring that one up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Infinitives are my pet peeve. Infinitives. In order are... for this show to stay on time, you have to drop some words. So it's the verb after two. <laughs> Yeah. The verb after two is the infinitive. Dan's on line one, 704-570-1110. Hey, Dan. Hey. So for years, there was a dealership, a car dealership on advertising on WCBT, and the ad always said it's the only dealership with the largest inventory. And it got under my skin so bad, I refused to buy a car from them. Oh. Wow. That's Dan, you lost know Lost your what? business. It did. Uh, largest, if it has the largest inventory, it is the only one. Right. You don't need to say it twice. Right. Mm. Look at you. See, grammar matters. Grammar matters, folks. You lose Dan's business with bad grammar. You know what? That that, that gets one on me. I hate the, the when people say especially instead of especially because mm-hmm. there's the, the S, the C is after the S in especially. So it's like special. Dan gave them the business. Dan did give them the business. We're dealing. He gave them the business by not taking his business. But yeah, by not giving them business because he's right that if we're the only with the largest, you could say. Dan did his business on them. Uh, John, you're on line six. Welcome to Good Morning BT. Mm. Oh, good morning, guys, and Miss Beth. Uh, the, uh, hey, John. The infinitive and beyond, I suppose, is uh, the way we'll, we'll preface this. Um, 
First and foremost, Beth, when you're going through the parking lot, a car almost didn't hit you. A person did. Um, cars don't drive themselves. People. <gasps> That's uh, very that from, true. I learned that from Rush Limbaugh. That's very true. That sounds like someone would punch her then. A person almost hit you. But uh, <laughs> A person but driving then, a car almost uh, hit you. Unless, of course, you're Michael Knight and you're driving Kit. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just saying. You guys have done so many special topics this morning. The, the purpose was the hill to die on and uh, going to city council and talking about the sign. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is... It is a true representation of how how the citizenry feel uh, about their politicians when you have no when you have no local participation. And in this particular instance, you have Wells Fargo, uh, a billion dollar company, for sake of argument, wanting to put something on their skyscraper. Um, city council isn't going to object to that because of the business. I may not like it, but I'm not going to go and protest it, and uh, because. I mean, the the council member herself said, "I can't believe all of us agreed on this." It, it is. It was. It was a done deal. There are just some things they are not going to mess with. And uh, I told I told the call screener, you know, I used to be in government. I had somebody who was uh, who did not like a businessman, and uh, my particular businessman businessman wanted a marquee in our downtown. Our tallest building was seven floors, and uh, this resident lived on a hill who could not see the business in question. But he protested that marquee because he didn't like the gentleman, saying that the lights would keep him awake at night. Oh, so he, oh. I like how he was on a hill. That works with his conversation really well. It actually really, really, really does. Um, let's see. Somebody, uh, and I just kind of said this one under the radar, um, but someone heard me because they said, to add to what Bo said, not only do I hate it when people go the wrong way in a parking lot, I hate it when they cut across the lanes, almost hit you, and then look at you like you're the idiot. Yes. That almost happened to me at Target the other day. And I, I have to admit that the, the parking lot is designed poorly because it's hard to get out of you Target. Mean you were a Target? I was a, I was a Target you at Target yeah, yeah, at yeah. the Target. Kevin says there is no way Dunkin' Donuts are better than Krispy Kreme Donuts. I have to agree. Now, see, I don't feel like you have to die on either hill. It is okay to say I like Krispy Kreme and I like Dunkin'. It's it's just like I like donuts. It'd be different. (laughs) That's it right there. (laughs) How do you mess up a donut? Hey, good morning. I'm glad to talk to you You guys. are hilarious. I mean, funny. I love you. (laughs) I don't get to listen to morning radio that much, but you guys are are funny. And I don't mean like PH funny. I mean like ha-ha funny. I don't find find anything funny. So this is is great. This is Good Morning BT. Thanks for doing what you're doing. Keep on keeping on. Hey, right on. Thank you, Chase. You too, my friend. This is the best of Good Morning BT. You know what's ironic about this? That's a little Larry Buckhorn right there. (gasps) Larry is good. And I said earlier, a hill that I will always be willing to die on, Bruce Hornsby is not yet rock. Neither tried to pick up those upbeat songs. Is this him jamming? Well, the song's called King of the Hill. Yeah. Talking about hills you're willing to die on. That's just the way it is. That's right. <laughs> this is Yacht Rock. Not to rehash a show from last year, but just let's all agree. This is Yacht Rock. Right? 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 You know, it's so weird. That sounds just like Larry Buckhorn. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, we got a lot Big of difference, emails. Huge difference. <laughs> we got a lot of emails on this, and this is a, a BuzzFeed article about hills, small hills in life 
you are willing to die on. So basically, the little things that just get in your craw and you want people to, you, you'll you'll fight tooth and nail. We've been getting so many messages. I love y'all out there so much. Mike sent a message to us at gmbtshow at wbt.com. And I am on this hill with you, Mike. I will plant my flag in this hill. Here we go. It drives me nuts when people say, could care less. If they could care less, they there is more left to care. <laughs> the phrase is actually couldn't care less. That's from Mike. And Mike, you're 100% right. It is couldn't care less. If you say I could care less, that means you could. Mm-hmm. That means there's more care left to give, and you're basically negating what you're trying to say. That'd be a good counter argument when someone says that to you. Did you say it just like you did for ten minutes? They'll <laughs> always walk away in defeat. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I'm obsessed with you, Mike. Yes, my flag is in this hill with you. We will stand on it together. Justin uh, says uh, self checkouts should require a license. <laughs> You would put a flag on that hill. I would put a flag, I, I, and I would help distribute those licenses. I feel like we're just like covering every topic that's happened in the last two years as being things that annoy people. I know this is like this is why uh, the phones and the email. Have you gotten a tipping one yet? <laughs> it's coming. I'm sure it's coming because you know the random fees and things on uh, on cards these days. The random hidden fees that mm. that I die on that hill. Tracy sent us a message that said, "Good morning, BT Beth. I will die on that hill with you about those people who drive slow." In the fast lane. There you go. That's and, a hill. And uh, Ranger Prime says, <laughs> to add to what Bo said, not only do I hate it when people go the wrong way in the parking lot, I hate it when they cut across the lanes, almost hit you, and I just realized I'd read that last segment. Uh, anyway. <laughs> and then they look at you like you're an idiot. I just <laughs> Well, but that's it. I hate people start the same story they already told. <laughs> I just realized I pulled the wrong one. Bo is the host oh, of the show, God. but he doesn't listen to it. Good story, listen. Grandpa. <laughs> Liked it the first time better. <laughs> uh, let's go to Bob. Bob, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Uh, hey, just, good morning, guys. What's up, Bob? I love your show. Oh, hey, thank you. You were talking earlier about, um, about Die Hard. You know, is it a Christmas movie? Oh, yeah. We had a person um, who said that they would die on that hill, that Die Hard is absolutely a Christmas movie. See, that was can, Alan. You can repeat things on this show. <laughs> I'm a trendsetter. Yeah. Well, I, I just want to verify that it is, and I got it from a reliable source. I, uh, years ago, I was doing some charity work, got to meet the guy who ran the music department at Fox. Anyway, we, I was out there one time. He invited me over for lunch. So we had lunch, and then we went to the studio, the, the sound stages, and Bruce Willis was there, who happened to be this guy's you know, like best friend from the old day, their old days in New York. Anyway, what he he hung out with us on the soundstage for a few minutes, and they were scoring the third one. I think it's Live Free or Die Hard. Mm-hmm. And um, if you remember that scene where the he, he Willis is in the cop car and it comes out of screaming out of that tunnel in New York and flies up and hits this helicopter about oh. ten feet off the ground, oh, yeah. maybe. Oh yeah. He looks over at me and he goes, eh, could happen. But <laughs> the real point of it is I looked at him and I said, Bruce, can I ask you one fan question? And he said, the answer is yes to both questions. One, yes, you can ask me a fan question. And two, yes, it is a Christmas movie. <gasps> no way. So Bruce Willis <laughs> says it's a Christmas movie. So now the argument is done. Done. That's it. 
We're done. That trumps your little Sean O'Connell story, Bo. <laughs> Bob, you are awesome. I kind of want to go hang out with Bob. He's just hanging out on sound yeah, stages. Yeah, we might see Bruce Fox. Willis or somebody cool. I <laughs> know. Stay tuned for our next segment when I invite Bob on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we might have to finally put a label on what we're doing here. We have the rabbit hole days. Yes. Then we have days where we just can't escape a topic, you know? By the way, uh, Kevin just uh, texted me. Our buddy Kevin says, play a little uh, Wild Frontier and see if they think it's Yacht Rock. He's right. This is Hornsby. This is not Yacht Rock. Is this Yacht Rock? I thought this was Metallica. <laughs> See? Well, it rocks that hard. <laughs> exactly. Thank you very much. But this is one of those topics. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, Michael. Michael sent us a message about this very topic, and I wasn't going to read it, but now I kind of have to. He said, y'all are going to make Bo cry and take his stuff and go home if you don't quit picking no. on Bruce Hornsby and no, Yacht Rock. No, no, we've done this before. <laughs> we did it We did it six months ago, and I told you then, and I'll tell you now. No one will ever make me think this is Yacht Rock. In fact, I will, I will happily, over the 50,000 watts, proclaim it to be so. You will die on this hill. I will die on this hill atop of... Freedom Drive and Wilkinson Boulevard on the top of the Moorhead Street Hill. <laughs> I will die on the hill. So you can't picture a guy like in a Hawaiian shirt with a drink in his hand listening to this? I totally I can. I totally can. Flip-flops. Yep. Flip-flops. No, Flip-flops no. and Crocs, Crocs. linen pants. Mm. No, if that's what you want, we can give you that. But that's not what we're talking about. I mean, if you want this, you can have this. Oh. This is sitting in the, the shirt you're talking about. I love this song. Huge difference. <laughs> hey, I was tired of my lady. What's so great? No, no, what's so great is y'all think y'all are like the caller thinks that I'm mad. I'm not. It, it is what it is. You all can just all be wrong. It's debate. I think yeah, I think Yacht Rock is debatable. There's a fine line. Well, I think I think Allison put the exclamation point on it when she sent us a screenshot of her computer whilst listening to a station called Yacht Rock and it was a Bruce Hornsby song. I love you We did so a much, federal bro. investigation. But this is what's so great about this topic is there are so many hills that people are willing, these tiny little anthills that people are willing to die on. We've gone from Yacht Rock. <laughs> I think we figured it out. So we have rabbit hole days. Yeah. And we have hills that won't die. Yeah, there it is. Hills that won't die. Hills that won't die. <laughs> That's it. We just, we just created a new category today. The Waniac is even chiming in because we were talking, we've been, we've had callers call in about grammar, people who have um, pet peeves about words. The Waniac even uh, chimed in and he said, I hate it when people say things like, Beth and me went to the movies. Leave out the name of the other person to see how awful that sounds because you wouldn't say, me went to the movies. Yeah, I see a lot of that. The me and the I thing gets interchanged too much. And then It's also not me or I in front of the other person's name. You should be second. Now, uh, Alan, Alan said, thanks See? to Bob. It won't die. Alan says, thanks to Bob, I now find a new hill. I'm guessing Bob and the uh, Bob and the Christmas movie Die Hard uh, argument, whether or not it's a uh, Christmas movie. Don't go chasing waterfalls. <laughs> Stick to the, the rivers and lakes that you're used to. Gary, Gary sent us a message at oh, gmbtshow at wbt.com. <laughs> he says that flammable and inflammable are interchangeable. 
I don't think I've ever said inflammable. That's, That's like the silence. <laughs> That's the tweet. The best of Bo and Beth. Good morning, BT. Hey, thanks for taking my call, and uh, you have a great show, Bo and Beth. Hey, good morning, BT Squared. Hey. This is the best of Good Morning, BT. <laughs> how you find a song for literally everything. Tin roof. Rusted. Rusted. So, when I think of the term deadbeat, I didn't realize that I have been a deadbeat, apparently. I'm a deadbeat. We're all deadbeats in this room, I think. I mean, I'm assuming something about John Moore and Bernie, but I, I, I think you're probably deadbeats, guys. I think you're deadbeats. What? Yeah. Guys, I was. I pay my bills. I mean, you, many of you listening right now, I'm going to go out, I'm going to call you a deadbeat. Mm-hmm. And you probably don't like that, but hang with me because you need to know why I say that. I was today years old when I learned exactly what a deadbeat is. Deadbeat club! We're all in the deadbeat club together, guys! I'm just channeling the. All day long, I'm going to do the B-52s guy. You know what's funny? In the commercial break, I said, guys, I think I've had too much coffee. And now I suddenly think maybe Bo did. Bo doesn't drink coffee. about to set sail. (laughs) So here we go, guys. A deadbeat. A deadbeat is a slang term for a credit card user who pays off their balance in full and on time every single month, thus avoiding the need to pay off the interest rate that would have accrued on their accounts. This is according to credit card companies. Credit card companies call their best customers deadbeats. Oh, I believe that. Behind closed doors, right? Behind closed doors. If they want to be nice on the phone, they call them non-revolvers. Or a transactor. I don't know why I just did that in a voice. Non-revolver. <laughs> hey, if you're going to do a voice during this segment, you need to go, then the deadbeat club. <laughs> but can you believe that? That's how they, um, I, well, obviously, it's how credit card companies make money. They make money off of the idea that you are going to carry that balance forward. And right now... Most credit cards have um, a, 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 an interest rate that's adjustable, um, an adjustable a- APR. And <laughs> I think I have had too much coffee. <laughs> an adjustable rate. So whatever your rate is, say you got an introductory rate of 0.0% for 12 months, which is how they get you. And then it goes up to like 23% plus whatever the Fed rate is. So sometimes those credit card interest rates can be 25, 30% after um, that rate adjusts. So imagine you think you're buying something on sale. You go to the grocery store and you use your VIC card or your MVP card or whatever, and you get a buy one, get one free. And you spend $80 at the grocery store, but then you don't pay off your credit card balance. Over the course of a year, you could be paying like 200% more on that item on those things that you are buying because of the way that the interest accrues, the interest accrues. But if you pay it off, they're behind your back calling you a deadbeat. What do they call you if you're overdue on payment? Right. You're, you're a glimmer. <laughs> you're, you're a company glimmer. Is it, is it the reverse? <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> going back to the six o'clock hour, folks, a glimmer is when yes. you notice something really positive during your day that makes you smile. But yes, I guess a credit card company, this would make them smile because they're making profit off of that person for paying because not only if you pay your card late if you, if you don't if you only play the pay the minimum balance and you pay it late you're paying interest charges and you're paying a late fee mm-hmm. i wonder what they call people who refuse to use credit cards altogether you know like the dave ramsey crowd they're cutting up cutting up uh, credit, credit cards, cards doing the plastectomy can you imagine i mean there's a whole group of you know people out there who don't need a credit card that literally can pay cash for anything. I mean, even you, even a house on like Queens Road, you know, like you just plunk down a not you know plunk down the plastic. You're just like, yeah, let me just write you a check for that. Mm-hmm. So, so what would those people be called? Well, to the credit card companies, they don't even know they exist. They can't even call them deadbeats because they don't know they're out there. Members of the Sith. (laughs) (laughs) But should we be offended if we're trying to do the right thing? We're using the credit card to be responsible and build good credit scores so that we can get mortgages and we can get car loans and we can rent an apartment and not have to pay, you know, these extra well, you know, when you go in and you rent a, a, an apartment, do you guys remember doing all of this where you pay like first and last month's rent? But if you have bad credit, you pay like first and last month's rent and like two more months rent um, on top of all of that. And that by the end of it, you're like, man, I'm broke. Mm-hmm. I mean, as a 24 year old, I remember trying to do that and thinking I'm not going to be able to eat. I'm just going to have to eat beanie weenies for the next <laughs> like six months. <laughs> or as Pete Callender used to say, ramen noodles. The standard bachelor chow. Yes. <laughs> or Chef Boyardee, because it's usually like four for a dollar, you know, like the Chef Boyardee spaghetti. And if you want to make it special, crumble up some saltine crackers on top of it. <laughs> uh, only one thing left to do right now. I love how he ends it. Hang on, here we go. You bunch of deadbeats. <laughs> you know the uh, little recording studio they used to have at Carowinds where you could record a cassette tape in a yes. recording you studio? Yes, you know why I know that? Because I did it. I did it too, and I sang with my friends. Love Shack. Wait, you sang Love Shack? Yes! Uh, I'm going to give you one guess as to what I did, and uh, you only get one guess, and you should get this on the first guess, and I'm going to really be upset if you don't get this right. I'm guessing it was The Power of Love by Huey Lewis. No, it was not. No! That was the second one that I did. Was it Larry Buckhorn? (laughs) No. I was close. You did it. So the name of my group when we sang Love Shack, instead of Three Dog Night, we were Four Cat Day. (laughs) You will never get in a million years what the first one I did was. Okay, so if it wasn't Power of Love. wasn't Power of hold Love. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let, me, is, let, me, the... let me think. Hold on. Two seconds. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. Um, Pour Some Sugar on Me by Def Leppard. No. Darn it. You want to know what it was? Yes. Here it is. Everybody wants into the crowded <laughs> line. Never would have gotten down. <laughs> you busted, busted, busted. Woo! Were you by yourself? Of course. Oh, see, I had I had four cats with me. I don't need any silver bullet band. <laughs> I was Bo Seeger. <laughs> How you BT like that, Boomer? Seeger. Bo Seeger. That's right, man.
Shakedown. Bob Seger this week falls 10 notches to number 22. Three weeks ago, it was the number one song in the USA. Hey, good morning. I'm glad to talk to you. You guys are hilarious. I mean, funny. I love you. <laughs> I don't get to listen to morning radio that much, but you guys are, are funny. And I don't mean like PH funny. I mean like ha-ha funny. I don't find, any, I don't, I don't find anything funny. So this is, this is great. This is Good Morning BT. This is the best of Good Morning BT with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo and Beth here talking about that age-old question. Or is it, do you have a joint bank account? Or do you say, no way, no how, I'll do mine and you do yours. And before we go to the lines, 704-570-1110, why are we talking about this, Beth Troutman? Well, according to a brand new headline, most couples or many couples are now changing their approach to money. They have, uh, according to a new report, they have observed a growing hesitancy for couples to pool cash, especially among younger clients. They like to have their own access to their own money and their own autonomy and less likely to end up with one account where all the bills come from. Let's go to Paul on line one. Paul, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi, Paul. How you doing? Good. What's going on? Oh, not much. Just listening to your driving down the road, listening to your show today. And uh, I thought you might need the perspective of an old timer. <laughs> oh, we love old timers. What you got? Well, me and the wife have been married for 43 years. Um, and we share a joint account and always have. And, and you know, I'm, I'm whatever anybody else wants to do, that's fine. I'm not judging anybody. But um, what it does is it, in our case, it creates solidarity. Mm. And team, because that way we're both working towards the same goal, be it financial or whatever. And if you're a team and everybody's doing what they're supposed to do, then you don't have to worry about that objective and you can move on to something else if, if necessary. Okay, so you're saying it basically creates a common goal, a common focus, and it puts you both on the same financial path together. Like you're a united front. Absolutely. And, and my wife has never had to hide clothes in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, good call, Paul. I hey, love Paul for saying that. All right, check this out. Let's go to line four and welcome Tim, who is a, a master financial advisor and, from what Bernie tells me, once worked with Dave Ramsey. Oh my gosh, Tim! What's up, Tim? Well, morning, guys. It's great to talk to you. Hi, it's so great to hear from you. So you were listening to our conversation and you called in to give us Dave Ramsey's perspective on this. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. I'm a regular listener. You guys are incredible. Uh, do miss having the Ramsey Show on WBT. That's actually how I discovered Dave in the first place. Uh, but uh, Dave's perspective would be that as a couple, you are one being, as put uh -huh. in the Bible. Uh, you know, as you know, Dave's uh, perspective is very much biblically oriented. Mm -hmm. So the two become one. And that means that there is no reason for any more than one checking account and one savings account. Uh, Dave will go so far as to say, if you don't have it that way, this isn't a money issue. This is a marriage issue. Oh, my gosh, Tim. So basically, I'm doing it wrong. It's Yeah, there's, there's generally considered to be some trust issues involved with that inside the marriage. And that all by itself 
can can be very damaging to a marriage. I think you probably are both aware that the biggest single cause for divorce in this country is financial issues. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, this was one of the reasons for us that we didn't um, combine finances because I didn't ever want finances to be an argument. And I've been married, my husband and I have been married for 15, almost 16 years, and we have not once had an argument about money. Not Not once. once. Not once. That's impressive. I'm wonderful. You know, I'm, of course, I'm very, very happy for you. Congratulations <laughs> on that. Thanks, Tim. But, but the, you know, the idea is that when you've got separate accounts, the potential does exist for hiding money and having it in other places. Uh, it's also a very poor financial management tool. Uh, you get into a, pl- a place where you just simply don't understand where the money is. Uh, 80% of us in this country don't know where 20% of our money is going. And you expand that to, to a household as a whole because there's, there's multiple accounts and the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And you've actually got a recipe for disaster in a lot of cases. Uh-oh. Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you this, because Beth uh, said at the top that uh, she and her husband uh, have separate accounts. So do my wife and me. And uh, it's never been an issue, but it's also never been the kind of thing where like, I'm trying to like she doesn't know. Like there been she's a, an accountant. And there I, there used to be a time where I operated a side business, mm-hmm. you know, like an independent business. Mm-hmm. On, on, and so uh, she would have to scrutinize my uh, bank account to see what could be used, you know, what would be deducted from the business, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, as soon as I sit here and say we have separate accounts, I think you have to dig a little bit deeper than just saying because you have separate accounts, that means you're hiding something because you may have a situation where you have separate accounts, but it's it's all out there in the open for the other one to see. Oh, yeah. I mean, Craig could, he knows all my passwords. Like he yeah. could log into my credit cards and see what's going on, but he knows that I mean, I guess I, I think maybe there are some people who have separate accounts because they don't trust each other. I think Craig and I have separate accounts because we do, which is a weird thing to say. I just I think I was controlled a little bit by money as a younger person, and I wanted my autonomy so that I didn't feel judged. I think it was more judgment maybe than anything else. Like uh, like Paul was saying, you know, he and his wife, she doesn't have to hide her clothes in the trunk. <laughs> hey, Tim, uh, stay with us. In our next segment, we're going to cut up uh, credit cards live on the air. Yeah. Yeah, we'll throw a party. Yeah, I love <laughs> you, you Tim. This All is right. such a great call, and I love that he um, worked with Dave and that he has, he, he 100% knew his perspective. I think the big thing here, if you choose not to have accounts, I think you do have to have similar approaches to finances. Like, Craig and I both don't like debt. You know, we're not going to be people, we don't, like, bring up a ton of credit card debt. We, we are people who like to save, and I feel like I'm kind of like a Depression-era saver. Like, I feel like... It's safer to just put it in your mattress. <laughs> Not that there's any in my mattress, folks. Like, there's, but you know, I, she has I, a paper bag over in the corner. It's full of cash. But I'm also a firm believer that it, I don't know. I feel like money is this weird, fluid thing because in my life, it's always worked out. Like, if I give five dollars away, suddenly it's somewhere five dollars shows up. You know, like when when I feel like it's one of those things that it's just there. It just it, it, the world balances out. Is that bizarre? It's like a need a penny, take a penny, yeah, have a penny, yeah, 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 give a penny. 
Because if, you know, if you lose $20 somewhere, I always like to think, well, you know what? Somebody's going to find that that needed $20. And then I inevitably somewhere else will get like a $20 coupon or like a $20 credit somewhere. And you're like, wow, the world just balanced out. And maybe that $20 helped somebody. Good morning, Bo and Beth. Thanks huh? for taking my call. Of course. I love you guys, man. You make my day better every time I listen to you. Hi, yes. I was just so interested. Just got out of the gym and heard the conversation. I was like, I have to call in. Oh, Bethany, I love you. <laughs> Oh, I love you too, Beth. <laughs> Bethany, I love you too. <laughs> This is great. We should just end the show right now. This is a love fest. (laughs) All right. Bethany, uh, take care. Call anytime. This is Good Morning BT. The best of Bo and Beth. Good Morning BT. Get it? News Talk 1110 WBT. Bo and Beth here. We have uh, the phones jammed at 704-570-1110. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not all rainbows and unicorns, but today it's a lot rainbows. It's a lot rainbows. It's a lot of signs from people that we've lost. This all came from a survey that was done. More than 5,000 people in the United States surveyed, and more than 53% of Americans have had experiences where they feel like they've communicated with someone who has passed on, whether it be in a dream or through signs. And this all really stemmed from the story about the double rainbow on Monday, 9-11, that uh, appeared over lower Manhattan. We've gotten some messages. So many people want to talk about this. This message is beautiful from Roland. Roland said, "We would. I would love to call. I've dialed a couple of times, but I just can't. This story brings so much peace to my heart and what I have actually experienced with my wife. It gives me validation that I was not imagining what happened. Love, 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 y'all. Now, that just fills my heart. He was looking for a sign, maybe found it, but didn't feel like it was real. And now hearing other people's stories has helped his heart. Charles wrote us and said, after my mother passed, we went to the beach to spread some of her ashes in the ocean. And while we were doing that, dolphins appeared in the surf and we considered that a sign from her and isn't that lovely i think i have a butterfly story that i can uh, share but i know we have people waiting on the line that have wanted to share their stories for quite some time like kelly kelly is on line four kelly welcome to good morning bt good morning bill and beth how are y'all doing this morning good. hey kelly so glad that you held on for us i'd hold on for y'all all day oh thank you <laughs> I actually have several stories. I have told people most of my life, you know, when you pass, send me a sign. I have heard my grandmother's footsteps. I have felt my mother cover me up on my feet, which I'm paraplegic, so I (gasps) didn't move the covers on my feet. Kelly. And I have been touched, and I have had missed phone calls from people that have passed on. But I think the most prevalent has been, I don't know if y'all remember, there was a house that was shot up 150 times two years ago, mm-hmm. and a little three-year-old boy was shot and killed. Yes. We actually heard his laughter. My fr- my son was best friends with his family, and we've actually heard his laughter right after he passed. Oh, wow. Kelly, my goodness. I'm so glad that you held on to tell us that story. Thank you for your willingness to share. Mm-hmm. And it has been in a dream. It's all been while I while I was wide awake. Oh, okay. My goodness, 
Kelly, thank you. Real quick, James on line one. James, you're on WBT. Uh, hey, Bowen. Uh, I, I feel a little out of place here. I'm probably going to be quite in the minority, but I wanted to just share a differing opinion. I'm really curious, Bo, because you know David Chadwick for a long time. Try to channel him as I pose an alternate perspective here, and then maybe the next time you have him in studio, if it works its way into the conversation, uh, maybe just pick his brain and see what he thinks about this. But I'm a very religious and spiritual person, and as a Christian, I believe that when people go to heaven, um, there's no more sorrow, there's no more tears, there's no more pain. I personally, and I lost both of my parents at a young age when I was in my 20s, and they were both very devout Christians. I have no shadow of a doubt um, that they're with God in heaven. Um, I've dreamt about them constantly, constantly. Um, But I I don't think that they are able to look down to uh, to speak to me because if once if you believe that if you have a biblical worldview once you're in heaven you can't look upon the earth and all the tragedy and the sorrow and the pain and everything that's going on with even just the people in your own um lives your your, your family um because you're in the presence of god and and you're shielded from all of that and so I think God gives us signs, and I and I think uh, I think there are a lot of coincidences, and I think that uh, sometimes our our minds and our affinity to want to connect with the people that have um, gone on before us may be more of what we're sensing and feeling than the presence of of those people and their spirits, because I believe their spirits are, are with God in heaven. So that's, that's my perspective, but I'm, I'm, I would love to know what David Chadwick uh, would have to say on this, on this topic of, of people in the afterlife sort of speaking to us. Well, he will be here, and here's what I'll say to you now. You also started that conversation by saying, what do I think he might say? And uh, Bernie has, has been uh, talking to you all before, you know, screening the calls, and he was telling us about what you uh, wanted to talk about. And, and I wanted to make sure we got you on the air, because I think it's a very interesting conversation. But uh, Beth and I both sort of arrived at the same place with David. I think we know exactly what he'd say. Um, you know, James, and I, I absolutely value your perspective, and I think our ability to want to connect with people who have passed on is, you know, that's what grief is. Grief is the love that we've you know, experienced with people, and and the the... The, the, we just don't know where that love's going to go, you know, now that someone has um, has passed on. But David and his, uh, and we will certainly ask him this question to, tomorrow, but I've had conversations with him and with Marilyn off the air about, you know, uh, angels on earth and experiences that you have um, on earth with uh, with the divine. And I, I know that that's not necessarily the past loved one, but we've had, you know, Marilyn has done um, research and has worked on a book on this uh, this this very subject on this kind of idea of being able to 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 look for and see signs and you were just saying it from God and we know from the Bible that you know biblical figures certainly had dreams that where God communicated with them Joseph being one of them you know that that um, and, and 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 Mary um, but you know, I, I I love that you're considering this. Uh, this this topic so deeply, James, because it means it's touching your heart, but just in a different way, you know, and all of those points of view are so incredibly valid. Patty just wrote us and she said, as someone who is in the middle, 
Right now seems to be a hopeless situation, but I think it's hugely important in times like these to be a light. And you definitely are. Even when you guys do the news, it's factual and not emotional. Y'all should give classes. So glad to start my day with you. I have no idea how many other crazy people are up this early, but do know that you guys start our days with a smile, and that's really huge to set the tone for our day. We've been doing this show for a year and a half. Yeah. And uh, when we started... We knew what we wanted to do, mm-hmm. but you have to work together and you have to go through the day-to-day thing to develop that. But if you could have read me that, then I would say that's exactly where I want to be. Good morning, Bath and Ball. I always wanted to do that. Oh. <laughs> this is Good Morning BT. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hey, thanks for taking my call, and uh, you have a great show, Bone Beth. Hey, good morning, BT Squared. Hey! This is the best of Good Morning BT. Somewhere deep in their country lives a Bernstein Bear. thing about this. I was looking for this uh, this song. I knew I had it, but I was spelling it the wrong way <laughs> when I was searching it. And it's in my computer as Baron, S-T-E-I-N. See? Bears. And the, the, the powers that be swear that it has always been spelled B-E-R-E-N-S-T-A-I-N. So why were we not calling it the Berenstain Bears? Why did we call it the Berenstain Bears? I don't know, but if you look at the book covers, I did. It all That's S-T-A-I-N. They're right. Well, yeah, but you Googled them. Who changed it? Oh, you mean glitch? <laughs> you mean somebody's gone back and, a- and every image on the internet, they've changed the... Yes. It's a glitch in the matrix, guys. <laughs> now, I do have to clarify something here. I said something uh, uh, earlier in the hour. I said I have this saying that whenever I'm talking to somebody, I'll end it by saying, uh, good talk, Russ. Good talk, Russ. Okay, he actually does in the movie say, good talk, son. Good talk, good talk dad. Uh, but I, he does not say good talk, Russ. And I always say Russ. And so I was searching for the time where he said Russ, where the closest thing to it was. I just had a good talk with Russ. So you'll be in good hands here, honey. So there is good talk, son, but there's not good talk, Russ. So if I went around saying to everybody good talk, son, that, that would have a different connotation. And it would feel kind of creepy when you said it to me, right? <laughs> yes. It would feel kind of strange. We're talking about a phenomenon that is sweeping the Internet known as the Mandela Effect. And it's the um, strange psychological trend of lots and lots of people having the same memory, but it's not true. Like the Berenstein Bears. We all have the memory of it being spelled B-E-R-E-S-T-E, wait, B-E-R-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, but it's not spelled that way according to every source that's out there on the interwebs. The Mandela Effect, it's called. Anna, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Hi. Hey. Hey, Anna. Hi, how are you? We are great. Isn't this weird? I love your show. I listen every morning. <laughs> Beth, I don't think. <laughs> Beth, she thought you were asking, is this show just the weirdest is thing that... you've ever heard? <laughs> no. Well, thank you for saying that, Anna. But, but this phenomenon, this Mandela effect, isn't this weird? I've got one. It's uh, Fruit Loops. Yeah. How do you think the box is spelled? 
So I thought it was spelled F-R-U-I-T-L-O-O-P-S, and then it had the cereal for the two O's in loops. No, it's fruit, F-R-O-O-T, with the cereal. So it's, so in, uh, it's in both lines. Fruit Loops. Did you fruit have a memory of it being spelled no. Fruit Loops? I'm like you said. I just was the regular fruit. The loops. regular fruit. Yeah. It's got that bird, Toucan Joe, on there also. Uh, that would be Toucan Sam. Or maybe <laughs> I'm remembering sure? it wrong. Is it, is, it, is it Toucan Joe? I thought. No. Not weird, kidding. though. <laughs> yes. Anna, thanks for calling. Now, John, now I'm wondering if it's... I was kidding. Is it, oh, you're, mess, you're trying to mess with me. Okay. Uh, Keith, you're on News Talk 1110 WBT. Welcome to the show. Hey, good morning. Good morning. So one that I saw on a list, and I'm a music guy, so it freaked me out. The Queen song, We Are the Champions, Yeah. it said that they do not say of the world at the end of the song. Well, let's see. Here we go. Good talk, Russ. <laughs> Here we go. We are the of the world. Yeah, they do. They totally set so, up the world. What I found out, because, again, as a music guy, I was like, yes, it does. Well, apparently, there is an album version, strictly that was done in the studio, where they don't say that, but it's the live version that does. Oh, so people have two different memories of the song, whether they heard the live version or the studio version? Right. Which I at least felt good because that's how I remembered it. You felt validated. You're like, you walk around going, I did hear that. (laughs) 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 Thank you, Keith. Good call, Keith. You're a champion, Keith. Here we go. Big finish. brother's texting you now he doesn't believe me yes so my little brother is is um all in on the mandela effect and he has been sending me all of the ones because he also thought the berenstein bears was spelled with an s-t-e-i-n at the end but he doesn't believe you about the good talk russ he wrote me and he said tell bo he said it to him when they were sitting in the desert drinking beer look for that all right bill you listening here we go good talk son (laughs) talk dad I'm telling you, I want it to be Good Talk Russ as much as you do, because I say that to everybody. Well, what if they used to say it, Good Talk Russ, and something (laughs) in the Matrix changed it after we all imprinted the memory on our brains? This is as close (laughs) as we can get to it right here. I just had a good talk with Rusty. You'll be in good hands here, honey. (laughs) That's it. He says, Good Talk, son. Good Talk, dad. So why do we all have the memory of him saying, Good Talk, Russ? Because maybe he says Russ so many other times. You know, he says Russ in all all the movies a lot, but he never actually says good talk, Russ. The he only says, I guess the other part where he's like, Russ, Russ, your feet, when uh, Rusty has his feet on the, the, yeah. the car while he's singing Old yeah. Man River. <laughs> or, I mean, you know, like, you know I mean, I, there's so many times the, the name Rusty is said in the movies. I mean, who can forget the Eiffel Tower in European vacation where they say, Rusty, Rusty, Rusty. 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 <laughs> I want to write, I want to paint, I want to 
sculpt something massive. I want to. Well, there are a ton of these. We're talking about something called the Mandela effect. The term was coined in 2009 when a researcher found that millions of people believed that Nelson Mandela passed away in jail in the 1980s. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we all know that he didn't because he was released from jail and then became the president of South Africa. So that's why it's called the Mandela effect, because so many people had the same memory that was in fact, wrong. And it turns out this is sweeping the internet, and there are tons and tons of these. Kit Kat, the Kit Kat bar, does the logo have a dash? I think it does. I think it has a dash on the, on the label. Kit Kat. No? I don't think so. Now see, some of these I've never thought know. about. So, like, I, I don't know. I just the, I eat the candy bar. It's good. I don't really pay much attention to the package. <laughs> well, Kit Kat apparently has no dash in it. It is just Kit Kat on I the I can wrapper. never eat one again. <laughs> the biggest one to me is Fruit of the Loom. The Fruit of the, the, fruit of the Loom logo. Yeah. In my brain, all of the fruit was coming out of a cornucopia. But apparently, Bernie, you think so. Bernie believes that. What about you, John I didn't Moore? think so. I thought it was just a bunch of dudes standing around dressed up like oh, fruit. That, <laughs> You're that thinking of the commercial. commercial. <laughs> no, yeah, that's what it is. I remember those commercials. I'll be honest with you. When you mentioned Fruit of the Loom, much like Kit Kat, like I can't, I can't think in my head what the logo looks like. Oh, see, I thought it was a bunch of fruit well, like, coming out of a cornucopia. I know it's a bunch cornucopia. of fruit, but I don't really know. I can't think of the details of what that fruit bushel or whatever you say it looks like it's all it's, it's in the back of my underwear not the front <laughs> what? what the tag oh. back to the berenstain bears again <laughs> yeah i guess i should have I, like, I, 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 I should have clarified that i'm talking about the label it's yeah. like you said there was a bunch of fruit yeah, in the back of your underwear <laughs> no, 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 no. boy that went south really quickly but fruit of the loom doesn't have the cornucopia it's just um like a bunch of grapes and an apple and what looks like lettuce leaves um, in the actual uh, no banana look. There's no there's no banana. See. Two months in a row, Bo and Beth are number one in Charlotte. This is Good Morning BT. The best of Bo and Beth. Good Morning BT. You guys love it when I think I turn the mic on and I start talking and I realize it's not on. (laughs) What I was saying to myself about 10 seconds ago was now, now people are coming out of the woodwork here. uh, We're getting flooded with uh, texts and emails. GMBT show at WBT.com, 704-570-1110 about this Life 360. And, uh, well, I I want to talk about one of the ones you just got because it sort of sent me down a road of thinking that I really wasn't on about who actually might use these, uh, this technology. But Sandy's been waiting. I want to go to Sandy on line one. Sandy, welcome to Good Morning BT. Hi, how you doing? Good. Hi. How are you? Good. Um, I just like the fact that it uh, opens up a world of independence to people that otherwise wouldn't have it. Um, we've got friends who have a adult child who has a mild autism, and she was telling me about an incident where she noticed he was on his way home, and he had gotten into an area where he shouldn't have been and taken a wrong turn, and she was able to call him and get him back on the right path to get him home safely. So, you know, in the past, without this technology, he might not have even been able to, you know, travel by himself like that. So, 
Wow, so that's actually, a, yeah, that's a great point. I hadn't thought about it being used um, in in that particular way. And you're right, that's lovely because it does give some autonomy where there might not be autonomy. Yeah, it gives them security that they otherwise wouldn't have. He, he wouldn't, you know, feel comfortable venturing out like that by himself, you know, without that, no, knowing that mom can always check on him. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes sense. Sandy, thank you. And, and we got a, a message here from Donald at uh, GMBT Show at WBT.com. It says, good morning, Bo and Beth. Our entire family uses it, this Life360 technology. Our son is an adult now, but we still all use it. I especially like it for my parents who are senior adults, 80-plus, that still can get out and travel. Uh, with their permission, I also have an air tag in their vehicle. It gives us all peace of mind. Oh, see, there's another great use for it with the, with you know, as your parents age, that it's something that you can keep track of them so they can still have a level of, of autonomy. Um, I asked the question last segment. Uh, Kevin wrote us at GMBT Show at WBT.com about his family all using Life360, and they use it at the end of the week to figure out who drove the fastest. <laughs> and so I asked the question, like, it does that? So Kevin wrote back, listen to this. He said, hit driving on Life360. This will show how many times someone has taken a trip driving, the top speed, and the total miles. And it can also show how many times there has been hard braking. He said, it's crazy. And he gets all of this and by using the free version. So he doesn't even have to subscribe to get Wait, this. What do you get if you subscribe? Right. What else do you get? What does is it, this, a streaming service? Does it parallel park for you? Like, is everything a subscription now? No. Yes. But, I mean, really, so if it does that much, the free version, what must this? I know somebody out there knows. Somebody out there, somebody out there listening subscribes and gets the full, you know, the, the full version. Uh, so Will uh, texts me, says, my wife uses 360. I don't because I have a flip phone. The kids have phones now unlike we did, uh, so they can reach us if needed. So uh, I don't like 360, but I know it's not going away. My worry is that we're priming the next generation for a future where the government also tracks them and they just accept it. Ooh, because if you're used to being tracked or watched, then it doesn't seem odd. You know, it doesn't seem out of uh, out of the ordinary. I have a question, and I don't know if this is something. I don't use Life360. Um, I don't have kids. Would, do couples use this? You mean uh, couples who suspect things? Well, even if they don't suspect things, just so that, I don't know, to... Just to be sure. Right, just to be like, one of the people in the couple. Like, do you have trust issues? And so you put Life360 on your phones. Or or are there some couples out there that use it and one doesn't know? <gasps> because uh, we just got a note about the AirTags. You know, oh. you know, the AirTags. Now, I have AirTags. We've talked about this before. I have AirTags that I use to find my keys, and, and it's, it's been great. Now, some people think the AirTag thing, and we've talked about this with Teresa, is too intrusive. Well, because but, people can put it, like, under your cars or yeah. drop one in your purse. Well, and that's the difference here is the Life360, if you're a couple, it's kind of hard to hide that from the other one because you can see if it's on your phone or not. Right. But with the AirTags, you know, there are cases where the AirTags have been, like you say, placed and, and the other person doesn't know it because they can't see it. It's hidden. And uh, there's nothing on their phone to indicate that it's there, but it's on your phone. Jody is on News Talk 1110 WBT Line 1. Hi, Jody. Hey, guys. How you doing? What's hey. up, man? Hey, yeah, we use, um, we use 360 um, on our tablets. Uh, we run a construction company. And our employees have um, have iPads, 
So we we have 360, and we have the gold version. Okay, which, so here we go. Uh, so, you were asking, yeah, you were asking what that gets you. You can get a, a 30 day um, map and track of where everybody's been. Wow! So it, it 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 hangs on to the information for an entire month. It does, and it gives you a, a an increased. Um, you were talking about your 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 trip, your speed. Yeah, it, it'll recover all that and hold it for thirty days. Wow! And so, so here's the question: What does the company do with all of that information? Uh that's kind of a secret. <laughs> <laughs> No, we we use it we use it to to verify. I mean, if if somebody's supposed to be here and you said you were, but I can, but your tablet wasn't. I mean, that kind of thing. So so what you're saying is is that uh, where necessary you cross check. We do we do uh, mainly to do payroll. Yeah. Um, because we also use a, a geo tracking payroll type system. Um, and we, it's a backup to make sure that both are validated. You know, one cross-references the other. You know, this makes me think of something, because uh, my mind is racing now. And you know how we talked during the pandemic about how people would, be, would work from home and, uh, right. and, and, and the boss wouldn't be able to verify whether or not they were really doing what they said they were, they were counting time for? Now this would essentially give a boss uh, a way to cross-check, like, like Jody says, uh, you were on the clock, but where were you actually when you were on the clock? See what I'm saying? Yeah. The, the thing about that is um, if, if you let it get out of control, you as the boss, then that becomes your job. You will, you will look at it every 10 minutes. It, you, you spend way too much time wondering where somebody is and what they're doing. You have you have to just let it go. Yeah. I guess, I guess the the answer the quick answer is you just got to hire people you trust. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's that's the bottom line. Jody, uh, thank you for calling. I knew somebody out there would know what the gold version was, and, and Jody did. Holy moly! And it gives you a whole like. I mean, I feel like it, everything's in like a pie chart and a graph for you. Bo and Beth, <laughs> keep up the great work. Welcome to Good Morning BT. Good morning, guys. Hey, Mark. Wonderful show. I love you guys in the morning. Appreciate everything you do for our area. Thank you. This is the best of Good Morning BT. How are you guys this morning? We are great. We hope you are. Hey, Bo and Beth. I'm an avid listener. This is the best of Bo and Beth. Eric, you're on WBT. Want to weigh in on the Mandela effect? The, um strange psychological trend of lots and lots of people having the same memory but it's not true hey bone bath how are you guys hi eric what's up man awesome man hey good morning love you guys show listen to you every morning sitting in traffic so you're the only relief i have oh thanks we're sorry you're sitting in traffic though Hey, so two things real quick. Um, my mandela effect one is the jc penny i don't know if you guys remember that department store oh yeah but it was like whether there was one P or P-E-N-N-E-Y or P-E-N-N-Y. I remember it without an E, but apparently there's a P-E-N-N-E-Y. I don't know. I don't remember that growing up. What? Hold on. I'm Googling this. Yeah, J.C. Penny. I thought it was P-E-N-N-Y, like a penny, like a nickel, dime, penny. Yeah, yeah I thought it was a penny because it was a cheaper store. That it, right. like It was like a penny store, and you could go yeah, in and no. get things for just pennies. <laughs> Right, like like the dollar store. Right, but it is. I just looked this up. The logo is J C P E N N E Y. Yeah, I don't remember no E in there. 
Right. No, I, I don't either. Wait a minute. Wait yeah. a minute. Now I got to look at it. I know. I just Googled it. Holy <laughs> moly, Eric. You just introduced us to a new one. Now my mind is blown. Oh, yeah. Mine is yeah. too. Like, I never would have said that. No, me neither. Never thought of it. So it's J.C. Penny. Yeah, Penny. Right, EY. Eric. Hey, thanks, Eric. Oh, my gosh. The phones are going nuts now. There go. <laughs> 704-570-1110, the Mandela effect. In I Love Lucy. Okay. One of the, um, what are the catchphrases? What would, what would you say is a catchphrase from I Love Lucy? Oh, goodness. You're not I mean, kidding. I've seen probably every episode. So a lot of people remember and will quote, Lucy, you got some splaining to do. Mm-hmm. Of course, yeah. From Ricky Ricardo. Right, right. Never said that. Never actually said that on an episode of I Love Lucy. How about Play It Again, Sam, from Casablanca? Never also said. never uttered. See? I know. I got gotcha. you. Also, and the Monopoly guy. Describe him. Uh, he's got the... No, he's got the monocle. Nope, nope, he, nope, he doesn't, apparently. He has no monocle. But he's got the top hat, right? Yes, but we yeah. all remember him as having a monocle. Okay. We had people uh, write in telling us that we were maybe confusing the... Um, oh, with the peanut guy. With the peanut, with Mr. Yeah. Peanut. How about this Because he one? does have a monocle. If you build it. If you build it, they will come? Not they, it's he. Oh, is he it He will come. Okay. How about, um, what's another one we were talking about? Um... Oh, uh, what is what is the the queen the evil queen say in Snow White to the to the mirror? Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the fairest of them all? Except she doesn't say mirror, mirror. She says magic mirror. Oh. Magic mirror mm-hmm. on the wall. And see, Looney Tunes. Okay. You watch I, cartoons. I, I, I am obsessed with Looney Tunes. <laughs> Spell Looney Tunes. Is it L O O N? Is it L O O N Y? E Y. E Y. Okay. And that, what about tunes? T-O-O-N-S. Exactly. We thought that, too. Exactly not. Because oh, it's really? cartoons, it would make yeah. sense that it would be the Looney T-U-N-E-S. Tunes. It's T-U-N-E-S. Okay. Mm-hmm. But, see, I don't believe that. Also, you probably <laughs> wore underwear when you were a kid, like right. the Fruit of the Loom logo. No, I never wore underwear. You, <laughs> do you remember the Fruit of the Loom logo? Uh, with the grapes and the apple, and I remember the commercials. Do you remember the cornucopia that the bra- grapes and the apple, the fruit was coming out of? No, I'd never, there's, I don't remember ever seeing a cornucopia. Okay, see, I remembered a cornucopia. No, there is no, no cornucopia. No. What did, did you uh, wear for the one, Beth? No, I wore tidy whities. I wore underoos. <laughs> I had I had Princess Leia underoos. There you go. And C3PO underoos. Aquaman and Spider Man and Superman and Batman. I had no. Supergirl too. Not, not Robin. No. <laughs> Didn't do the Robin. Didn't wear did they any. make Robin underoos? Uh, I wouldn't know because I didn't buy any. <laughs> What about uh, Darth Vader? What does he say to What does he say to Luke in Empire Strikes Back? Was the, you mean the whole Luke? Uh, I'm your father. Obi Wan never told you what happened to your father. He told me enough. He told me you killed him. No, I am the father. See, most people think he says Luke. I am your father. He does not say Luke. And then my own personal one that I've been uh, talking about this morning, because you know this, Beth knows this, everybody who knows me knows that when I'm in a conversation with somebody, I am apt to say at the end of it, all right, good talk, Russ. That's just kind of my go-to line. Yep. Uh, He does not say, good talk, Russ. The closest he says to the Russ part is this. I just had a good talk with Russ. You'll be in good hands here, honey. 
Now, he actually says, good talk, son. Good talk, son. And he says, good yep. talk, dad. And, and, and I was talking about the point where they're sharing the beer, uh, you know, in the desert uh-huh. yeah, beside the family truckster. Yep. Yep. And then somebody uh, texted me a while ago and said, wait a minute, what about the scene uh, after he is uh, frolicking in the pool with uh, Christy Brinkley? And yeah, I thought, yes. wait a minute, wait a minute. I had to check it out. It was just one girl I saw. Her. Girl. Was that that girl? Oh, no, that's a waitress. No, I was just ordering in. She's a pool waitress. I was uh, ordering in some fish for you and Audrey and Mom. She took your order? She took my order, yeah. <laughs> Swimming waitress. Yeah. You understand, don't you, Russ? Sure. sure. I understand. <laughs> you think Mom will buy it? Good talk, son. <laughs> I wish he had said it there. I know. But, but there again, I thought he was going to bust me and say that I was wrong. And I, I was forgetting that part, that scene. But no, he, same thing. Good talk, son. Uh, here's one more. And John Moore and I had the same memory. What color is chartreuse? Oh, I have no idea. No. I thought red. Yeah, some thought, sort of red. I thought like hot pink, magenta kind of color. It's, purple? I have no idea. Yeah, purple. Right. Yeah. We thought it was like a purplish color. Mm. Apparently we've been wrong all this time. No it's idea. green. I have no idea. Yeah. Chartreuse but, is in fact green. Really? A shade of Yeah, did you think it was purple too? I thought it was reddish. <laughs> reddish purple. See that we uh, there's an entire generation of people who have a memory of being told that chartreuse was some kind of magenta pinkish red color and in fact it's green. I think Brett dated a girl named <laughs> Chartreuse once. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I knew it. <laughs> All right, Jensen. Well, just she didn't have chartreuse hair, I promise you that. <laughs> we will uh, hear from you tonight, seven o'clock. Yeah, I gotta tell both about the dream I had about her last night. Oh. Ooh. Oh. Well, I'll just say to you. I'm scared. <laughs> Good talk, Russ. <laughs> this is the best of Bo and Beth. On to Matt. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. How are you guys this morning? We are great. We hope you are. Hey, Bo and Beth. I'm an avid listener. This is the best of Bo and Beth. I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. But I'll be watching you. Go ahead with your own life. Leave me alone. I see you on your phone. What would Billy Joel think back when he wrote this song about Life 360 that tracks your every move and knows every place that you are and now does things like a gold subscription service that gives you a printout of your entire last month? How fast you were driving, how often you hard brake. None your business. Break. None your business. What you ate for lunch today, and whether it was on special. <laughs> what is this? All right, so this has gotten uh, it's gotten a lot of you worked up. We're talking about Life 360, and the whole conversation stems from the fact that, according to the Wall Street Journal, there are a lot of uh, Gen Zers that like their parents following them on on uh, Life 360 because it gives them a sense of security. Well, yeah, and our listener Kevin wrote us a message saying he, he uses Life 360 with his son, and his son actually loves it because he can also keep tabs on his parents, and he knows where his parents are, so it makes his son feel secure. Other people have written us to say that they use it with their um, their parents so that they can give their older parents some autonomy. They know where they are. In fact, Josh wrote us and said, my kids and their friends use it to keep up with each other. 
leaving school, driving home, out of um, driving to school events. And Josh also says we use it for the kids and for our parents who are in their 70s. So it's a whole family thing, including extended family now. 704-570-1110 if you want to chime in on this. A lot of you are texting and emailing. Like Beth said, Janet says, uh, Life 360, I used it when the shooting happened at UNCC. Tracked my oldest, who were students there at the time, was able to get them to safe areas. Wow. See, now that's a huge, huge thing that you can you can help your uh, a family member in real time if necessary. Ashley sent us a message at gmbtshow at wbt.com. She said, my family uses Life360 for, obviously, our family, but I am also a real estate appraiser. And I use it so that my husband will always know where I am since I'm going into people's homes all over. That's a huge deal. If I were a real estate agent or a real estate appraiser, I would want my husband to know where I was. Because, you know, if you're a real estate agent, you're going into, most of the time, empty houses with strangers. You know, with people that you've just met. Yeah. Um Here's more here uh, from another listener. Uh, it has crash detection. It notifies the others uh, that there might have been a wreck because of a sudden stop. I use it to find my phone in the house without without using find my phone. <laughs> uh, the kids use it when, when uh, I go to the grocery store to let me know to pick up their snacks. I mean, it's like th- some of these are, are really, really deep, you know, like the UNCC example, and then some of them are just pure convenience. Yeah. Uh, she says, I also keep track of my husband while he's out of town to be assured he's all right. There's no way you can know uh, that it's on your phone because it drains the battery. You can turn off your location, but the GPS won't work. Uh, she says, I have friends who track their parents who are 80-plus, helps them have peace of mind that they're doing, and they're driving well. See, now that was my question that I posed earlier, and I'd love, and people, you don't have to, like, share your names if you don't want to. I was wondering if people who don't have children, if they use this in their relationships, do couples use this um, to keep track on their significant other because of trust issues or or, or things like that? Is it, is it used for... Is that the uh, the negative side of Life 360? Uh, Jerry is on line one, 704-570-1110, wants to talk about uh, Life 360. Do you use it? Uh, how do you use it? What's up, Jerry? So, yeah, we actually use We actually have our, our adult kids and our grandkids on it. And uh, our only mother that's still alive, and she's 80-something. But uh, my wife is a nurse, and she has to go out to home business. She got caught out in a rough part of town one night at a client's house, and there was a chain, a train broke down on the tracks, and she could not figure out how to get out of that area. So she called me, and I was able to zoom out on the map and figure out a way to get her out of that area town without going deeper back into it. Wow. Now, see, that's something I would never say because I haven't gone into Life 360. I haven't seen what Life 360 looks like once you're in the app. But that's pretty amazing that you can see the person on the map. You were able to zoom out and direct and guide her, which I guess is kind of what our, our last caller, Sandy, was saying about a, a child getting lost, trying to get home and a parent being able to help them get home. So I have one more story real quick. I have a special needs daughter. She's 22, 23. She has Downs. And she tracks us when we're going to be home, how far are we away and stuff like that. And uh, one day I stopped by South 21 to pick, get me some lunch, and she thought that I was bringing her South 21 home. 
<laughs> She's like, where's my food, Dad? <laughs> that's right. Exactly. So thank y'all. Jerry, good call, oh, man. Thank you. That's a great call, Jerry. I, You know what? I love I love the calls that we've gotten, um, like from Sandy and, and Jerry just there saying that they, they use it to help with their family members who have special needs. It gives them a sense of security. It gives them a sense of autonomy. Uh, but also, you know, letting everybody in the family know where each member is, giving you that uh, that feeling of, Somebody's going to be home soon. Well, look, uh, I, I have a daughter that's in college, and we have we have the 360 on the phone, um, and and I, we don't track her every move. But when she leaves to go back to school, you know, we check to see that she arrived safely. You know, I think a lot of people would probably say that I no, I don't use it like a, like a, a big brother type thing to track your every move. But if you're supposed to be somewhere at a certain time and maybe you haven't gotten a phone call or maybe you just want to make sure, you know, that that they're in the right geographic vicinity on the yeah, map, yeah. you know, that peace of mind is a big deal um, to me. See, I wonder, you know, once the, like, does your daughter ever turn it off if she goes to stay over at a friend's house or something so that, you know, you're not like, See, oh, you stayed at so-and-so's dorm that, last night. That conversation's never come into play because we've never, you know, we're not, we're not snooping on every move. We're just talking about big picture things. But I guarantee you what you just said probably happens in some families. I mean, I'm right. sure somebody out there, uh, because that's what it comes down to, right? I mean, it comes trust. down to trust and what agreement you have and how it's being used because as we found out this hour, and I didn't know this until one of you called, um, there are different layers to this. Like you can, you can pay a subscription because everything in life is a subscription now, I know. except this show. Right. You don't have to subscribe to this show. You it's turn us on. Free. That's right. But but that's where <laughs> life is going, right? So you pay for the gold version, and as, as that as our caller said, it basically gives you a printout of the last month. I kind of want it to do it in graphs and pie charts and like cool little <laughs> things. Uh, last one for this hour. Ellen says, uh, "Yes, parents should do this. Kids aren't allowed to have or own phones until 18, and so it's the parents' phone anyway." So they own the phone. Well, that's true. She has a point there. Yeah, but 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 on top of that, it's that relationship you're building for years down the road, right? Yeah, it's so strange. Like my husband and I don't have Life 360 on our phones. I didn't even know this was a thing. This was this is this is brand new to me that that that, that this is a thing. So now you're going to start tracking Craig. Nah. <laughs> See, all of you are way behind. We've been working in this radio business all these years, and all we have to do is rewind the tape. This is the best of Bo and Beth. On to Matt. I got to do the sound check. Check one. Check. Check. Sibilance. You know, we just have a conversation with us. We don't know the microphones are here. We're just hanging out, chatting with each other. I didn't realize until now that this was a job. And we're always going to hang out. I'm sorry. I'm just over here still thinking about, you know, like... People sit in focus groups and around tables, and we've got to think of a slogan for that morning show. You know, <laughs> good morning, BT, the team to listen to, or the best way to start your day. And <laughs> But really, honestly, good morning, BT. They don't know they have microphones. <laughs> I'm afraid you're just too darn loud. Next place. News Talk 1110 WBT. You know... People in broadcasting, radio specifically, a lot of times you'll hear them on the air, and then many times they uh, go on later in their day to do something else that has nothing to do with radio. Mm. You know? We're very good at side hustles. Mm -hmm. But uh, our Mark Garrison uh, has found uh, a guy with two jobs that don't have anything to do with each other. That is the truth. You know, 50% of Americans now have a side hustle. Wow. That is a big number. 
And for some, their side gig ends up, you know, becoming their real passion. And that is the case with a man I met recently under a big tent at South Park. (laughs) Even though his regular day job is something that many would consider exciting, even kind of glamorous. I, I am I'm a PI. Meet Tony Johnson. He is a PI, a private investigator. You know, like Magnum PI, the television detective. At least that's the first thing people think of, Tony says, when he tells them what he does for a living. When you tell somebody I'm a private eye, you mean like Matlock? You mean like Magnum? Yep, and just like Magnum P.I., Tony has a lot of adventures as he follows people around. I'd have had people come out, moon me, come out, show their guns, like, yo, get from in front of my house. He spends a lot of time working insurance fraud cases. So with insurance fraud is you're trying to follow people incognito. And of course he's hired to catch cheating husband, cheating wives. But on a hot Sunday afternoon at South Park, I met Tony Johnson working a different kind of case. In fact, I heard him say something you'd never hear from a TV detective. Lettuce, tomatoes, onions on your burger. You might say Tony's a cross between Matlock. I'm a private investigator and a caterer. And Bobby Flay. Cooking is my passion. It's crazy because like my mom's was cooked, like my grandma was a cook. And while Tony's day job means he sometimes carries a gun, the only heat he's packing today these three logs comes from oak and hickory should keep me at about 250 for the next 40 minutes. Stoking the fire on his giant smoker, you might say this private eye has assumed a new identity for this assignment. What's going on, big dog? Welcome to Boogie Smoke Shop, brother. Boogie Smoke Shop is what he calls his barbecue road show. Boogie is a nickname he picked up in the military, and it just seems to fit his personality when he sets up his smoker and serving tent. Ooh, that looks yummy. Smoked salmon. You're going to have to let me taste that. (laughs) I got you. A private eye with a nose for good eats. Today we got our eight-ounce Boogie Burger. The Boogie Burger is a specially seasoned half-pound burger that he smokes for about 30 minutes or so. Now, what's in that Boogie Burger? Um, A little bit of this and a little bit of that. Uh, This P.I. is not spilling any secrets when it comes to his ingredients. How you like it, Mark? Oh, man. That is so good. There we go. Boogie Burger. We got smoked ribs, my smoked wings, and smoked salmon. Boogie's Smoke Shop got started like so many side hustles by accident. You know, I had a Walmart smoker, like a char griller, and I just liked to smoke. Liked it so much that when a neighbor put a giant hand-built smoker up for sale, Tony plopped down a healthy down payment and bought it. So I gave that man $1,500. And Tony promised he'd pay the other $1,300 in a month or so. So after watching a cheating husband one night, he came home, fired up the new smoker, and started selling brisket to his friends. I was like, yo, I got a smoker to pay for. Who wants some wings or brisket? I gave that man $1,300 the next month. I, I've been selling since. Soon catering jobs started rolling in. Then he started selling at festivals like this one at South Park. It took off. Like, it really took off. Like, it, this called me. This called me, and I answered. I love it. And with his new barbecue calling, he spent hours online learning to sharpen his smoking skills. YouTube University? Like, yeah, you just, like, briskets and everything? You just go and get it. Just go and get it. That's Tony Johnson's motto in life. What do you think people could learn from you? Don't be complacent. Just just go get it. There's opportunities out there. Go get it. Do what you like, because everybody deserves to be happy. And Tony's happy with two very demanding jobs. 
He's now a private eye about half the week. I, I looked at his ribs, and ribs looked real good. And Boogie the barbecue man the rest of the time. Oh, man. Smoking all kinds of good eats. And mac and cheese. That's smoke mac. <laughs> that is so good. So today you're out here smoking. What bad guy are you chasing tomorrow? Two murder cases. I have to get, get over to the jail and interview some clients. He's been hired by a lawyer to find proof that somebody else committed the crime. Heavy stuff. Another round of boogie burgers on. But it doesn't take Sherlock Holmes to figure out that this private detective has cracked a big case. How to find joy in his work life. There aren't that many people that work this hard. What drives you? Just go get life. Be happy. Ain't nobody gonna make you happy. You gotta go be happy. How you doing? Just go get it. Just go get it. One day a murder case, the next day the boogie burger. I love that man. What a fantastic thing he's doing. Just go find your happiness because nobody else is going to make you happy. But do you know what I liked most, Mark? What's that? Well, besides your storytelling, which is always fantastic, you were talking with your mouth full (laughs) in this piece. And I could hear. No, I love it. I could hear you chewing the mac and cheese while you were talking. You know what my favorite part of that was? What's that? He goes, How do you like it, Mark? like it. <laughs> the Boogie Burger. Yeah. Put a little boogie in your step. Now he's got a Facebook page. It's called Boogie Smoke Shop. You can see where he's smoking. And he is usually set up in Harrisburg every Friday from noon to 5 by a car repair shop on Highway 49. I'm, I'm feeling the need to go there and try the smoked ribs. That's I'm right. feeling it in my bones. And I'll then s- he can follow Craig around and make sure he's not up to any hanky-panky. <laughs> oh, and then I can hire him on the side. That's right. There you go. listen to you every morning and just been in, in kind of a challenging patch lately, but I always know that Bone Fest in the morning is going to be a great way to start my day. So I oh. appreciate, appreciate the 30 minutes I spend with you guys each morning driving into work. You just made our day. Yeah, good morning, Bone Fest. Hi. Appreciate hey. the conversation this morning. Good morning. First of all, I appreciate the family because you are family to me. Oh. Beth, you and Bo have me belly laughing. <laughs> Right right? People are looking at me strangely because I'm laughing out loud in the car. Thanks. <laughs> what I love is, is that at the end, she starts laughing again. I know, she I laughs know again. It's so fantastic. This is the best of Good Morning PT.